does have it all. All of our pre-owned vehicles are Hubler Q certified, which include a 128-point vehicle inspection, a free Carfax vehicle history report, and two warranties. A two-year, 100,000-mile powertrain warranty and a 30-day, 1,000-mile comprehensive warranty. Visit any of our 13 locations today or click drivehubler.com. And I still wake up with a little guy saluting me. It's the Wake Up Call with KB and Andy. You wanted this, right? You wanted the real deal? That's what this is. Wake up. You're in the middle of it. You better wake up and listen to what you're saying. Which is a morning show. Wake up. What the hell? Wake up, everyone. All right, welcome in on this Wednesday. Man, it feels like we're flying through February, doesn't it? I mean, next week, well, the NFL Combine will be out there. Uh, lots of fun there. Welcome in. It's a Wednesday. As always, here on the Wake Up Call, broadcasting live from the DriveHubler.com studios. He's Kevin Bowen. I'm Andy Sweeney. Mark Dykton producing today's effort. Fellas, Mike Woodson told us yesterday, not so fast, my friend. Butler basketball losers last night. Notre Dame fans, some of them... Uh, Upheaval, if you will, over the new college football playoff format. Tons to talk about on this Wednesday. KB, a good morning to you, sir. Notre Dame, Louisville. Did, did that not make the um, the run down there for the intro? <laughs> you guys need to show better. Oh, that. man. Again. Maybe uh, the back end of it? I'll take Notre Dame. We could do a full hour on it, if you will. I got no problem with the little Kenny Payne versus Micah Shrewsbury on a Wednesday. Sounds like a pick'em game. Sounds like a pick'em game in Bloomington tonight as well. Nebraska yet to win a Big Ten road game. It's got to happen sometime. Uh, we will see if they get it done tonight against Mike Woodson's bunch. 8.30 tip there. Uh, Pacers back to practice yesterday. Sounds like limited for Aaron Neesmith. Yep. Um, we'll, we'll see what his availability looks like when an injury report comes out later today. Again, Pacers back in action tomorrow night against the Pistons. But good Wednesday morning to everybody out there. Thank you for tuning in. This is, boy, uh, yesterday was a day to get outside. This is certainly a day to get outside. So enjoy that here. As Andy said, the month of February. It's moving along. Feels like it's very flying quickly. by, doesn't it? Yeah, it really does. Uh, about a week from today is, I think, when things really going to pick up down there at the Combine. So we will be there. Nothing yet on the franchise tag window update. I know that was a popular topic yesterday. If I had to go off past precedent with Chris Ballard, I would tend to think this entire two-week window will probably be utilized. He is a man that does not do things very early from a contractual standpoint. Um so letting that play out until March 5th, which is the end of that two-week window, that would be my guess here as we sit here on this Wednesday morning. I'm going to need you guys' help today. I told Mark, I, I have a just a just a small little bug from, I guess, the big weekend, being out in the cold I and everything like JMV's else. JMV's under the weather Dude, all of I a sudden. Hope, I hope JMV didn't give it to me. I don't I don't want any of his germs. Whatever. Well, that was pretty selfish. <laughs> I'm worried about, when was the last time John's missed four uh, straight shows? Uh, I know, man. So Seriously. I mean, I mean, I'm not in terrible shape, but I'm like, I told Mark, I have this like small cough, but there's no phlegm. No, so when I so 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 Katie, it's a hell of a start to but, a Wednesday. No, so, when I, so when I'm coughing, it just feels like there's needles in my lungs. So that's where we are today. So welcome, and you get to sit next to me for the next three hours. God. All right, sure well, excited about. I've that. had all the phlegm too. So it looks like Rosie and Max will be home uh, on Friday here from uh-huh. daycare. Uh, yeah, mm-hmm. Butler missed opportunity last night. Um, you know, I mentioned it yesterday when we chatted about their week at Villanova last night at Seton Hall coming up on Saturday. To me, you need to get one of two. If you don't, you probably can turn the page to the Big East tournament as in you need to get something there to feel good. Again, I don't think it's like DEFCON by any means that they that they missed out on a road win last night. I mean, hell, winning on the road is hard. Hell, look at the Big East. 
Did you see UConn last night? Yes, I did. I mean, Surprised absolutely by that. Out. blitzed at Creighton. And what happened when Butler went to Creighton this year? That's a great result for Butler last night because uh, obviously it makes their win in Omaha look even better. But uh, Butler just never really, I felt, I, I, I know the final score was 10 points and they cut it to two, cut it to three, but it was just a bad defensive first half, bad offensive second half. And when you're that bad on each side of the floor and a half on the road in a quality conference, you're not going to get it done. Uh, Joe Lenardi, for what it's worth, Andy, did update his bracketology late last night. I saw that. Good for him. It's been six days. Bumped Butler down to the final team in the field. So if you look at the updated bracketology after last night, Butler is team 68. The team they play on Saturday, Seton Hall, is Team 65. So again, just a massive one awaiting the Bulldogs coming up on Saturday. Villanova is still just outside of making the tournament. I did find it interesting. Maybe it was the nature of the blowout. Did you see he moved Purdue back above UConn for number one overall seed? Oh, I did not see that. Did he? Okay. Is Man, that, that's, that's a big has, loss. That has to be just a blowout. Like, There's no way yeah. you're going to downfall UConn because they didn't win on the road against the top 15, 20 team. Well, you know what the funniest thing is? Like, this the resume is, still looks right, the same right, in terms right, of the right. quality wins uh, exactly. and all that stuff. Well, this is what we do. You know, in college basketball, we really don't talk about it. And then when we get into, uh, and you know this, I'm sure, I'm sure I'm sure Notre Dame has fallen into this before, but it's like, we do like 2025 games where we don't micromanage where each game is as it pertains to the NCAA tournament. And then we get when we get to the final couple weeks of the season and then we get to the conference tournaments, every game has a referendum on what they mean and don't mean, right? I mean, every single one. So, for instance, yeah, UConn over the weekend – you know, UConn was, was wow, I mean, UConn's the number one team in the country and they bypass Purdue and they'll be the overall number one seed. And everyone's talking up UConn. And I understand. I'm not even saying it's wrong. And then they come out and they lose to, you know, a very good Creighton team. They get blown out. And they get blown out. That's what happened last night to a very good Creighton team. Um and now that loss means they need to move down and Purdue, who hasn't played until what, tomorrow night, they need to move up. So it's what we do. I never know how much of it is just, you know, how much of it's just talk or how much of it really means something right now. And I know where Lenardi has them, you know, Butler is just in a, I mean, Butler's in a, and I don't want to say a bad spot, but they're you know, sweating they, like Usher. I mean, do they had an opportunity to, to separate themselves from, you know, teams like Virginia and Utah. And, you know, I'm looking around who's around them. Well, Gonzaga in, in the is hovering Gonzaga, around the bubble. Virginia Tech and, you know, Northwestern, those sorts of teams. Well, it's crazy. It sounds if you're a Butler fan, you need to cheer for IU tonight. Oh, absolutely. Oh, and I mean, there's no doubt about I mean, Nebraska about it. enters no tonight sweating like yeah, no other. They're one of those teams as well. They're right on the cusp of, they're 48 in the net, which which is right around the cutoff of kind of NCAA uh, tournament conversation. And again, a glaring negative on the resume of the no road wins in the Big Ten Conference. Because sure. I think when you get into exactly what, you know, we have all this criteria, you know, net and quad one and quad two and quad four and road wins and Ken, you know, all this stuff, I feel like on a pretty annual basis, the committee comes back to two things largely. Who'd you beat and where'd you play them? Those are probably the two that I think stand above the rest. 
And so, again, if you are Nebraska and you're Fred Hoiberg and you're thinking about tonight, it's not necessarily who'd you beat, it's where you beat them. And right now, they are 8-7 and seven in the Big Ten. All eight of those wins inside of Pinnacle Bank Arena, all seven of those losses away from home. So, again, that is a pick game tonight for the <coughs> Hoosiers. Oh, I think boy, you got, look at you. Boy, I got to clear the throat. By the way, Todd Meyer texts us, here. UConn's 19-point loss to Creighton is the biggest loss by an AP number one team since Virginia lost by 20 to UMBC in the first round of the tournament in 2018. Boy, does that, <laughs> does that sound like a Purdue fan drummed up that, that, that stat to bolster their resume, uh, if nothing else Love there? It. You know, tomorrow night's the big night in Bloomington. Tomorrow night's Caitlin Clark action. Oh, I know. Well, it's back-to-back big nights. Well, I who's our guy? I, who's the guard that hit all the I don't threes? know if the Japanese buddy healed <laughs> Tomonaga. Oh, why? man, that guy's great. Trey like, Galloway going to oh, face yeah. guard him but for 40 gonna, minutes? He's going to and play point guard. Mike Woodson comes out, and we'll play that sound as we go. He came out yesterday and said... You know, he pulled a Lee Corso. Not you know, not so fast, my friends. Not going to be going anywhere. I don't think that's a surprise, right? I mean, I know that was kind of you know the storyline emanating from uh, his press conference yesterday. I know he had what inside Indiana basketball, whatever it is. We had it here on the fan, and he you know reiterated there. Hey, I'm not going to be going anywhere. Uh, I'm going to be around here for quite a while, or for at least a little while. I didn't really see that as. I understood why it caught on yesterday. To me, that wasn't a, a huge storyline. We can play that sound. Uh, to me, I more want to hear if this season continues to go down and, you know, if they lose tonight and Nebraska walks in and they get their first Big Ten road victory of the season, they win by 12 or something in Assembly Hall. What I'm kind of looking for is, you know, the brass at Indiana, what they have to say. I am more interested in. So you're in the Greg Doyle boat of you think these final few weeks really no, matter. What I think, what I think is, there's got to be a plan to the basketball program, and having a 66 year old coach who uh, who rode the coattails for two seasons of Trace Jackson Davis, who underachieved last year in the NCAA tournament, who failed to put together a competitive team, and Mike Woodson's trying to feed us this BS of well, you know, if we had Xavier John. Johnson, and that's only going to work so much. If you had Xavier Johnson, we might be talking about you with might be talking about you with some of these um, oh, bubble teams, maybe, and then not even as good as a Butler. Indiana's um, eight and six with Xavier Johnson this season. Yeah, I think it, we can stop with well, the he would have been the savior. It, it's all for Bailey Calbert. Insert whatever it's name all you he want has to, to grasp onto. And then last night. I'm sure if you dialed on to Peaks.com this morning, uh, Derek, Derek Queen, who is the big man there, uh, he is basically going to pick Maryland. That became uh, everybody, all the analysts moved their crystal ball. Do you follow Trilly Donovan? Do you know who Trilly Donovan is on yeah, Twitter? Yeah, he's like the insider, right, well, for college basketball? He's got to be some former coach or a burner of uh, some sort of national correspondent. Is it Rick Carlisle's burner? I, I, I have no idea who it is, but he's but basically, he's right. he's right and he's on top of things and he basically put out he last night. He did the night, Scott Van Pelt gift, he, right, he for did. Maryland? He put a, a, um, a Dairy Queen cone next to Scott Van Pelt in a Maryland jersey. So, you know, he's not going to be going to Indiana, although the bigs aren't the problem there at Indiana. So, I don't know. I mean, we'll see. I actually think, you know, in these games, Indiana can win some of these games. I thought they'd win over the weekend, and they got blown out uh, over the weekend. So, if Indiana won tonight, I wouldn't be surprised. It would be kind of a death nail, if you will, for Nebraska. 
Uh, other items of note, again, the Pacers back to practice yesterday. It'll be the Pistons inside of Gamebridge Fieldhouse tomorrow on that. Jeremiah Johnson going to join us coming up at 9 o'clock. We'll chat with JJ. I've got a, um, you know, the NBA world, that, that's kind of where I've settled on. Uh, can we make incremental improvements to the All-Star game? Um, I've got a world roster I want to throw to Jeremiah Johnson. Okay. When you start, like, I mapping like out a team... And I guess I'll tease it here because Lord knows people hanging on for two hours. That would be quite the um, a dedication to the show here. Uh, a, a starting five for the world team, okay? Okay, let's go. Luka Doncic, Nikola Jokic, Giannis, Jamal Murray, Shea Gilgis-Alexander. You like that starting five? I, I love that starting five. I got How about no this for my that. bench? Okay. Webb and Yama. Yep. Siakam. Yep. Sabonis. Yep. Lori Markkinen. Yep. Rudy Gobert. Okay. Carl Anthony Towns. Yep. He's he's uh he's what? Carl Anthony Towns. He's Dominican Republic, Dimin- yeah, I believe. It. I should have known that. You know why? Calipari coached the Dominican Republic national team one summer just because of Carl Anthony Towns. <laughs> well, probably a smart move <laughs> by him, uh, to Cal. Get, to get him as a recruit. And yeah. then my 12th. I need some guards, frankly, and I thought about, as crazy as it sounds, I thought about Benedict Matherin. Um, OG Ananobi. Okay. You like that yeah, group? I, I, I like that group. I forgot all about OG. He did do a uh, You could go conference. Lou Dort. Lou oh, Dort, yeah. pretty good go, player for the Thunder. You could go Lou Dort. You could go Franz Wagner. Yes, you very well could. I mean, again, if you try and, like, if you create a world team, damn. I mean, that's a team, in my opinion. Is that so, you know, us as Americans, we can rally around and hate that team and cheer on LeBron and everything else? Did I you- mean, it's better than watching, you know, Luca shoot three-fourths <laughs> half-court shots. And- did, you, did you see the report? I think it's Vince... I think it's Vince Goodwill, I think it was the guy's name. Uh, he put out there, and it was picked up by reputable sources, and he's from Yahoo Sports, that Larry Bird, Dr. J, and the Players Association president, Andre Iguodala, went to the Young Stars game on Friday and say, hey, guys, don't be doing what the fellas are going to do on Sunday. We want to see a competitive game. And I just love that, that they went to those guys who have not reached their max contract yet, and they feel like they could probably boss around, but they dared, you know, they dared to go into the, into the locker room on Sunday and say, hey, LeBron and Luka, let's not shoot half-court shots every single time down. Well, now, you guys are going to call me a nerd for this, okay? Okay. So yesterday I'm listening to... To the Micah Shrewsbury radio show. Oh, Lord, God bless you. What time is that on? Is that a 7 p.m. type thing or what? Someone's asked me for Embiid. Didn't Embiid declare for Team USA? He did. He right? did. Yeah, we're going to have him in the Olympics, aren't He'd we? He'd obviously summer? be yeah. on the world team, but he is, uh, I think, re- I don't know how, how they do that. But yeah, he's on Team USA. Um, so I'm uh, listening to the Micah Shrewsbury radio show. Shrewsbury actually coached in the NBA All-Star game. He was on Brad Stevens' staff back in 2017. He was telling a story about... Uh, they were in New Orleans for that All-Star game, and it was Giannis's first All-Star game. Okay, sure. And they're in the game, obviously, in New Orleans, and Anthony Davis is doing what Damian Lillard did on Sunday night. He is shooting pretty much every time down the floor. It was clear from the Western team that they had a huge focus of getting Anthony Davis the ball on a routine basis. He said they get in the locker room at halftime, and Giannis looks around, and the East is trailing at halftime. And Giannis all of a sudden asks, is this where we start to try? <laughs> and, I mean, yeah, and like, sounds and, about and, right. And again, you laugh, Andy, and it is laughable, but isn't that the root of where we're at right now with the All-Star game? And again, this was seven years ago. Of like, If you watch the game Sunday night and you really get technical, when Scotty Barnes and Paulo Boncaro and Tyrese Mack, when like those guys got in the game, 
there was an uptick of a little bit more effort. Like, it wasn't big, but when the new guys get in, they don't really know where the line is. They're unsure of it, and they don't want to be the ones that are super Luca or super lackadaisical in their effort there. And, you know, at the end of the day, if the upper echelon guys, so now Giannis would certainly fall into that category, if they want to set the tone, the others will fall in order. That, that, that's what we're going to have to get well, to. I agree with you on that. And, and again, yeah. for Giannis in 2017, it was obviously looking up to LeBron and you know Kobe, like you know that aspect to it. So I just thought it was an interesting story, and anytime I can sneak Michael Shrewsbury in on the show, I'm going to do it. What else did he have to say was his big preview for uh, tonight's game? Well, What's they the made line, a visit down. Uh, it, it is, I, I believe, Louisville a slight favorite. Oh, my God. Now, <laughs> they the did a nice job but from a recruiting standpoint. It's at Louisville tonight. They went and saw that Sisley kid. Remember? Remember we talked about him? Oh, yeah. The Heritage Hills product. Yeah. Matt Painter, Mike Woodson, Michael Shrewsbury all in the building for him for a game okay, a few weeks there ago. there you go. Now, Louisville All is, the heavy hitters. Louisville has gotten better, right? No. No. What do you mean they've, they've gotten Haven't better? Haven't they won more ACC games than they did last year? Uh, yeah, I mean, they've won a couple. They've won uh, three ACC games this season. Notre Dame has already won more ACC games this year than they did last year. <laughs> They've lost recently by double digits to Pitt, and they got absolutely blown out. Uh, no, Boston College and Pitt. So there you go. Yeah, I need to. I need to look at that. If I'm catching Notre Dame plus a point and a half, I might lay some lumber on that tonight. There we go. That's what I need. Get that DraftKings Sportsbook app out. Man, pray for Nikki on that one. That is a desperate, desperate. It's the last. Here. The last thing she cares about. She has no idea what's going on in the sports world right now. No idea whatsoever. Well, it's not a bad thing. Which it's honestly, a, which is a great thing. She separates herself from my sadness all the time. It's honestly one of the quieter stretches <laughs> you will get to. Uh, the other uh, guest will have joined us to round out things today. Chris Gall from Visit Indy. You certainly have heard him or seen him a lot around the city of Indianapolis when it comes to an event standpoint. You know, when you go All Star Game and Combine in a two week period, you know if you're going to rank like events your city can hold. No kidding. Those are two of the biggest sporting events. You're going to get, and I just kind of want to nerd out with Chris and, and okay, what is the economic impact of this? What what are the numbers that you know visitors to our city, hotel rooms, et cetera, et cetera? Someone asked me kind of a, a wild question yesterday that I guess I'll throw Chris's way. And Andy, it crossed my mind even driving in. Where do all the signage? Where does all that go? Someone's like, hey, I would happily bid on that. Bid yeah, on for some charity. Yeah, and That's I'm like, point. gosh, where would you even put some of that stuff there? A 30 foot Benedict Matherin, uh, yeah. uh, you know, a photo. That, right. well, that would go in your yeah. bedroom. I know where that would go. Tyrese Halliburton on the plastered <laughs> on the side of Lucas Oil. Mark, you were driving by Lucas Oil. Weren't they taking all that yep. down yesterday? Taking it down. That's yep. a great point. It's got to go. It's got to go somewhere. Now I would assume storage you know units, some of the wars. NBA specific stuff like you know the Devin Booker or whatever or you know I, I'm trying to think was Maxi, oh Maxi was up on a big yeah, building yeah, yeah he was. I, I'm trying to think of the brand for for Maxi that brand probably takes that and utilizes it in some other way but uh, Chris Gall going to join us here to round things out later in the show so again good Wednesday morning to you enjoy this weather it is going to be glorious today. From a temperature standpoint, even better than it was yesterday. Yesterday see, was break out the shorts. Did weather. you see Jake yesterday? He uh Jake Query, he put his uh took his phone out and just videoed downtown. I was like, hey everybody, it was a wild forty eight hours in Indianapolis over the weekend, but we can have really nice weather in February. Here's an example. <laughs> yeah. Here you go, guys. Just, Too late. Again, sixty degrees one day last week. Uh, certainly this week weather wise would have been much, much better, but unfortunately, 
It's not how the NBA world will probably remember the weather here during All-Star Weekend. Again, thank you for spending this Wednesday morning with us. Kevin Bowen, Andy Sweeney, Mark Dykton here on the Wake Up Call, 93.5-1075, The Fan. The Morning Checkdown, brought to you by the Barbasol Horizon League Basketball Championships. March starts here at the Indiana Farmers Coliseum, March 11th and 12th. All right, morning check down. Reminder, Jeremiah Johnson, uh, Double J, that's what I'm calling him. He'll join us coming up at 9 o'clock. All right, college basketball last night, not good for Butler, not good at all. A chance to kind of get off the bubble. 72-62 losers in Philly last night to Villanova. Got down, what, 9 at halftime. Uh, I did love the second half score, 28-27, after the teams were bombing away threes. They allowed that big run there uh, in the final couple minutes of the first half. Could not recover, so uh, Butler squarely on the bubble and already has them as the last team in. We'll see what happens there. They're next up. It's going to be a late game Saturday night, 8.30 Fox Sports 2. Uh, they're at Scene Hall. Now, it's another bubble team. It's absolutely another bubble team. Uh, you could call it an elimination game. I mean, you still have three games to play in the regular season and the Big East tournament, but uh, when you're looking at the final, hey, compare resumes head-to-head, it would be nice to win that game and win that game on the road. Okay, so as for Indiana, they're in action tonight. That one, 8.30 on the Big Ten Network. Our coverage on IBC beginning at 7.30. One of the big conversations, KB, uh, yesterday, quite frankly, Mike Woodson a couple different times doubling down on him not going anywhere anytime soon. Here's Woody. You know, I came back to try to put this team in the best position possible, and, you know, I'm going to continue to do that. I mean, I'm I'm 60, almost 66, but I feel good, and I still move around, and I think, I still think well in terms of the game, and I still think I can teach the game. So I don't know. I mean, there there are coaches that are coaching into their seventies, and you know, I don't know if that's something I'll do. I don't know. You know, I'll. But at this point, I'll take it a a day at a time, a year at a time. I'm not going anywhere anytime soon, guys. I'm just not. So I'm going to continue to build this team and and try to put this team in the best position possible and see where it leads us. Certainly a lot there from Mike Woodson. (laughs) I want to hit on that here coming up in a few. As for tonight, Nebraska is a slight, slight favorite at Assembly Hall. Again, yet to win a Big Ten road game all season long. Kevin Kugler, Sean Morris on the call here. If you look at Joe Lenardi's latest, we mentioned Butler, Seton Hall, uh, hovering around the bubble. Nebraska is as well. Team 62 right now is where... Joe Lenardi has the Cornhuskers play. So, big night for Fred Hoiberg uh, in terms of just getting a win away from home. Again, Pacers back to practice yesterday. We had Rick Carlisle on. He mentioned, you know, a little bit of optimism on Aaron Neesmith. Uh, The update yesterday was he was limited in practice. We'll talk with Jeremiah Johnson about that coming up here in a bit. Again, it'll be Pacers and Pistons uh, when uh, the second half of the season gets started on Thursday. Can I be selfish here? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Okay. I love selfishness. Go ahead. Yeah. Thirty one and twenty five, right? Are the Pacers? Thirty one and twenty five, yes. Okay. Twenty six games remaining. I need fourteen wins. Don't worry. When we get close, you know, I need I was gonna talk to Mark about this. We we need to have some sort of countdown, I feel like. Maybe maybe it's now. Maybe we need to get imaging sent away a KB countdown on his over under. What would fourteen and twelve should be very doable, I, I right? Mean, if they're if they're not better than fourteen and twelve, what place are they gonna be in the Eastern Conference? 
Need tomorrow. 11 and a half point favorite, the Pacers. You don't think Neesmith plays tomorrow, do you? Over the Pistons. Yeah. Given it, that it's the Pistons. Because is that your, the wrong way to look at it, Well, I guess? and also you have Friday and Saturday off. Sure. So do you view it as, okay, you can get a little bit of an extended period. It's back-to-back, if I'm not mistaken, Sunday and Monday. So something to keep in mind on that. And college football playoffs announced yesterday the format for the 12-team playoff. It will be five automatic bids going to five conference champions and then seven at-larges. When I saw the news officially announced, I kind of thought this was already agreed to. Did I miss something? Did well, it just become official yesterday? Well, it, it, a, it became official, and B, everyone has been waiting around on the demise of the Pac-12. So it was going to be a 6-6 six and six. Got it, uh, where got it, got where it. that okay. extra power conference in the Pac-12 was going to be, you know, one of the one of the automatic bursts, and so since they've died and they've been, you know, ate alive, if you will, and they have two teams in the Pac-12, so this is what it'll be. I want to talk about this later, but I mean, yeah, I mean, this is what it's going to be for the next couple years, and we say, and I'm joking, the seven at-larges. I mean, you got to think two of those are Big Ten and three of those are SEC. So uh, you'll have two spots there for the ACC. Oh gosh, the over under every year is five and a half. Uh, it has if to you be combine the SEC and we can and dive into Notre Dame as well because uh, I think I think this was a good balance for people that hate Notre Dame. They can laugh at Notre Dame, and for Notre Dame lovers like you, I think it's also kind of good for Notre Dame. Uh, yeah, all in the I same don't love playing swing. the extra game again. We, we, we we'll can get, get into we it. can get more into that, but this is something Jack Swarbrick, uh, their exiting AD, certainly wanted and agreed to. Um, so, again, we'll get more into that as we move along. Again, number one team in the land goes down last night, 85-66. UConn losing at Creighton. Uh, that is a big, big loss uh, for the Huskies in terms of margin, of course. Uh, and for what it's worth, Joe Lenardi did then rebump Purdue back up to the number one overall seed. Don't know how much Boiler fans necessarily care about that, uh, but Purdue back in action tomorrow night hosting Rutgers. Yeah, other college basketball scores. It was a close one at halftime. Tennessee trailed uh, in the second half. Tennessee number five in the country beat Missouri by five. I did not know Missouri was winless in the SEC this year. Did you know that? That's Tamar Bates, right? Former Indiana legend uh, leading yes. the Tigers of Missouri. Y- yes, it was. They're now 0-13 uh, in conference. Number 11, Baylor. They lost at number 25, BYU 78-71. Uh, and I always give you the losses. Utah State over number 19, San Diego State. So uh, always worth watching those. Top 25 teams struggled a little bit last night. Just uh, a little bit. One final item. All-Star Game viewership. You had million viewers for the All-Star game. Uh, The game was up 14% for what it's worth, but I also saw it was the second least watched All-Star game ever. So this recent trend here of obviously the product not being competitive at all, clearly impacting some sort of TV rating. So if you're the NBA, you spin it and saying up 14%. (laughs) If you live in reality, you say the second least watched All-Star game of all time. It's funny. I had not seen the up 14%. I had just seen uh, nobody watched it. Uh, I think it was last year, right? It beat last year. Last year's is the the lowest one. Now, the Pro Bowl, I'm seeing here 5.7 million. So... Um, We're boy. a sick society to see what what they what slop the NFL throws out there for the Pro Bowl. Well, People again, still watch you can it. tell how far the NBA All Star Game has fallen when sure. it is even below the Pro Bowl because you know, obviously the Pro Bowl has trended in this direction for quite some time. All right, on the other side, more of those Mike Woodson comments as Indiana gets ready to take on Nebraska later tonight. Couple of NBA mock drafts to throw at you. Where is Zach Eady? Where is Khalil? Where? Uh, we'll chat about that coming up. 
as well. It's a wake-up call here on a very nice, balmy Wednesday here. Shorts weather for February 21st. It's a wake-up call on 93.5107.5. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Jeremiah Johnson going to join us. We'll talk some Pacers with him. Coming up at 8 o'clock, college football playoff. Uh, they figured out what they're going to do uh, for the next couple years, and I say that because I'm sure it will change like it always does. We'll talk about that coming up at 8 o'clock as well. Mark, we had about 15 minutes ago, before the checkdown, we had a gentleman call in. Uh, mm-hmm. what, what was his name? And he's from the Indianapolis 500. Is that right? He was from the 500. He's from the 500 Festival. Okay, and he mentioned uh, because KB asked the question, "What happens to all the you know the big posters around yeah. town that have you know whether they be Pacer players or Maxi or Giannis or Carl Anthony Towns? What happens to those?" And he says they go to a company called Pup, yeah. and they can actually repurpose those for other items. Yeah, I guess. they make them into like backpacks and jackets and all that other kind of stuff and everything. Nice. Nice. Well, that's a good thing yeah. to do. I like that. Yeah, uh-huh. I'm fine with that. I figured they would just sell it to charity. <laughs> so, someone who's got a lot of money would come in, you know, like the Ursay family, and they would buy some of those. But that's that's cool if they can do that. I got no problem with that. Getting Chris Gall from Visit Any going to join us here uh, later in the show. I, I Boy, you would have to, like, map out a list. But, Andy, when you think of multi-day events for a city to host, I, I would assume, particularly in the continental U.S., you got to think the All-Star game for the NBA and the NFL Combine would rank easily on the top 10. Oh, yeah. I mean, there's no doubt about it. I mean, the the Combine isn't the NFL draft, you know, which is going to be in Detroit where they close down the entire downtown. But uh, as I always say, it's still good to be a parking attendant. It's still good to own some rooms at the JW Marriott, is it not? Oh, my gosh. That's an understatement, <laughs> especially when league personnel is, you know, a black cardinate. I would see. I would think a whole lot. You're I, damn right. I think the per diem's looking pretty nice. On that end. So, again, we'll chat with Chris Gall coming up uh, at 945. All right. uh, Mike Woodson conversation. Let's play this sound. I played this during the check down, but for people just joining us yesterday, the conversation, you know, Mike Woodson was asked about it at the end of his press conference. And I'm blanking on the gentleman that asked him, but, you know, it's basically, hey, you're going to be 66 years old. Uh, not even bringing up that the team is really struggling this season, but hey, how long do you think you're going to want to do this? You know, your retirement age. Here's what Mike Woodson had to say. You know, I came back to try to put this team in the best position possible, and you know, I'm going to continue to to do that. I mean, I'm I'm sixty, almost sixty six, but I feel good, and I still move around, and I think. I still think well in terms of the game, and I still think I can teach the game. So I don't know. I mean, there there are coaches that are coaching into their seventies, and you know, I don't know if that's something I'll do. I don't know. You know, I'll. But at this point, I'll take it a a day at a time, a year at a time. I'm not going anywhere anytime soon, guys. I'm just not. So I'm going to continue to build this team and and try to put this team in the best position possible and see where it leads us. All right, so I have two questions and just some thoughts uh, emanating from that sound. I did love, and we need to make this the motto of the show, 
I think I still think well. <laughs> what Mike Woodson had to say. I'm sure Indiana fans heard some of those quotes uh, and they weren't happy. And then the other thing I was thinking, and I don't know, there's some coaches that hear all of the outside stuff, right? That hear all of the, if they're losing, that hear all the complaining. I'll give you, the perfect example is John Calipari. No one consumes more of what his fan base says about him negatively than John Calipari. I don't know how much Mike Woodson consumes of the unhappiness with the average Indiana fan, and the average Indiana fan is done with Mike Woodson. But what did you make of his comments? I didn't think it was too crazy. I didn't expect him to say, yeah, I'm going to be gone here in two months. Yeah, I wanted to make sure that I watched that entire presser yesterday because I I wanted to hear when and I guess how that question was asked. And it was you know pretty much lobbed to him of actually the person that asked it mentioned, I'm 66 years old, and, you know, preface with the joke of, you know, whatever, at times I don't feel super motivated, you know, how do you feel at that age? I, that answer really doesn't bother me too, too much. Um, I get that there's a little bit of a, guys, even if you want me gone, I ain't going where, going anywhere, and, you know, you could kind of, maybe on the inside, he's saying that with a bit of a cackle, and that could, you know, obviously frustrate some IU fans. I thought... One of the more head-scratching comments, though, Woodson-related from yesterday was not necessarily that answer, Andy. It was, and I believe I have the phrase right, when he talked about assembling a roster for this season, when he talked about you know, putting together you know, guards specifically for this season, he used the phrase that they were praying Xavier Johnson wouldn't get hurt. And I'm thinking to myself, boy, if I am praying a dude coming off a broken foot and I think it's very fair to call Xavier Johnson a volatile player. Inconsistent would be another word you could use, but there is some volatility yeah. to his game. He's, when a, he he's is, a fine player. There's yeah. been moments, certainly a couple years ago, where he was the catalyst to leading them into the NCAA tournament, into the Dayton playing games. And then there's been other moments where he's a big reason why you are not in the tournament picture or, or hovering on some sort of bubble there. But if you're praying that that guy is going to stay healthy... That's not a plan that I want to put all of my chips in the middle of the table to. He said something that they felt like Jalen Hood Shafino was going to be back. For- you you, you want to hear this? We, yeah, I, yeah, I, yeah. Go ahead and play And by song. the way, yeah. it was Tom Brew who asked. He's from the the SI uh, IU site. Uh, it's Tom Brew. That's who asked the question about, hey, I'm 66 too. How are you feeling as a head coach of Indiana? Here's what you're talking about. This is about a minute or so, K Beats Woodson on Jalen Hood Shafino. Now, the, the premise of this is he's asked about Gabe Cups. What kind of season has Gabe Cups had? And so that goes into, we didn't think we were going to have to play him nearly as much. Obviously, didn't think they were going to have to start Gabe Cups because they thought Hood Shafino would be back. And obviously, uh, you mentioned Xavier Johnson. He's been thrown to the to the wolves, basically, as a freshman. You know, and I recruited Gabe. You know, the, the deal was, you know, we would, everybody thought Jalen wouldn't be a, a one and done. That was the whole deal. And you had X and you knew Gabe would come in and probably be a third point guard behind two, really two veteran guys, you know, Jalen being a sophomore now. And, you know, we, when we knew Jalen was leaving, we desperately tried to find a backup point guard or starting point guard to go along with Xavier and Gallo. So, we 
we explored, we talked to different guys and, and guys went to different, you know, went other places based on, they thought that was a better fit. So, you know, we basically came into this season hoping like hell that X didn't get hurt and Gabe would get an opportunity to learn slowly. Well, that hadn't been the case. He's been thrown right out there. And and I think he's had a good freshman season, man. I mean, considering. Hoping like hell probably would lead me to try to find some insurance. Um, they got an open scholarship, right, that they did not use. Ja'Kai Newton, a lot of signs that freshman was heading towards a medical redshirt well before coming to Bloomington. So pretty much they're playing with two open scholarships. And officially they are playing with one here this season. Um, I guess a couple things. First on the Hood Shafino front. If you're recruiting a five-star in today's culture, <laughs> it's unbelievable. you better plan he's one and done. He's a top 20 kid. And I, I recall talking to some people around the IU program, like when the NBA scouts came to Bloomington in the fall to watch practice, it was very clear to them early on, like, that kid ain't staying here very long, guys, and pointing to Jalen Hood Shafino. And, you know, obviously, Hood Shafino wasn't great out of the gate, but I think you saw some early Big Ten games. I, I seem to call Iowa Northwestern right out of the new calendar year where all of a sudden it became pretty clear that he was not going to be in Bloomington for, for very long. Um, the other thing, and, and I just think in general, if you have a five-star kid, and I feel this way about McKenzie and Baco, certainly, you hope for the best, but you plan for the worst because y- y- you've got to do that. And then when he's talking about Cups, boy, a- at times I'm feeling like like they act like Cups is like a walk-on. And I know it's low-hanging fruit to compare Indiana and Purdue, but I do think in this instance, Purdue made a very concerted effort to try to get a portal point guard a couple years ago. Um What's the kid from Iowa State and went to Texas? Hunter is the last name. Um, oh, good. Tyre- uh, is it Tyrese? Uh, yeah, Tyrese Hunter. Yeah. yeah. Uh, that oh, every, was the guy every, everybody wanted that they him. pursued. Sure, Purdue sure. really wanted Nigel Pack. Yep. And remember, the what's the dude's name from Miami who came in with the medical insurance company and Nigel <laughs> Pack all of a sudden became uh, Miami Hurricane. But, you know, during that cycle, it was a, hey, we need to go out and get a portal point guard. And then Braden Smith would then play in that backup role. If you think back to how. Indiana recruited with Gabe Cups. When Gabe Cups was committed, the thought was Xavier Johnson would not be in Bloomington for the sixth year. The only reason Xavier Johnson is still in Bloomington is because he broke his foot in the December game against Kansas. And then he got the medical redshirt. That, again, was not even a guarantee. So having to play Cups, you know, these types of minutes, like there's this thought that this is some Bloomington South walk-on. That all of a sudden, you know, his father has donated all this money to the program, and that's the only reason he's there. Right. Brayden Smith was thrust into the exact same duty that Gabe Cups is really being asked to, and as a freshman was an all-freshman guard. And if you want to get technical with recruiting rankings, Gabe Cups was ranked higher than Braden Smith. So, again, I know it's low-hanging fruit to compare Purdue and Indiana, but I, I think it's relevant to our audience to, to do that, I just I don't agree at all with the A, we thought Hood Shafino was coming back. B, we were hoping and praying that Xavier Johnson would stay healthy. You need to find insurance policies. You need to make sure that you can cover your you-know-what in case volatility occurs with Xavier Johnson like it has his entire college career or an injury situation occurs, which unfortunately, that's what he's battling right now, especially when you have an open scholarship. And especially when it's a guard, because guard play matters a whole lot. Banking on Xavier Johnson and then Trey Galloway to go from role player to lead guard for a whatever you want to label Indiana, the hope would have been a tournament team. 
that's a big ask. And to me, that's risky business that now has come back to bite Indiana. You know, one of the things that if you're an Indiana fan and Woodson's going to be here, let's say it's even a couple years, not just, you know, next year is the swan song, is I don't like the way, not only how Woodson built the team, but, you know, and I've been yelling and screaming about that ever since they played Army, right, KB? We've been talking about this for months, going back to, you know, October, November, is no one's playing the role that's good for them on this team, except for maybe Khalil Ware, right? Am I, I mean, he's obviously showing up uh, in these mock drafts. I mean, this is not good for Trey Galloway. He's playing out of position, I mean, Woodson even talked about that yesterday. That he's trying to keep, you know, Trey Galloway in a good spot. Galloway's got to score more than he ever should have to. He's got to play point guard. He never should be playing point guard. And a lot of times, you know, he's got to he's got to d up the best guy. He's got to d up the best backcourt player for the respective team. Hell, we'll probably see that tonight against Nebraska. And you go listen. You you mentioned Ujafino. I listen. You're a top twenty kid who's a five star. I I don't know. That that scares the hell out of me that Mike Woodson doesn't know what's going on. Yeah, again, think, hope for the and, best, but you got to plan and for I, the worst. And I think you know what's going on because they paid a bunch of NIL money to get Mackenzie and Baco. I mean, they went and they got, you know, they're in Adidas school and they took a Nike kid and Khalil Ware to get him to campus. So I know you know, I know you and your assistants know how to play the game just a little bit. Don't act like, oh, Hood Shafino surprised us. Well, if he surprised you before the season, it became very apparent during the season when he was having great games that this wasn't going to be a guy. And then outside of, and I don't mean this to make this a Purdue thing, but outside of Purdue and a few other teams, KB, you view these guys in a one in a one year prism. You just do. And I use Purdue because Matt Painter has kept a lot of guys, right? For for and that's that's been the Purdue way is to keep a lot of these guys and develop a lot of these guys. Virginia, when they were rolling, uh has been able to do it. And I just I maybe he's not trying to throw this kid under the bus. But Mike Woodson has some sort of obsession, does he not, with Xavier Johnson? <laughs> Like, like I don't know. He's he's just very accepting of Xavier and acting like Xavier Johnson is is a good piece to the puzzle. And yeah. I don't feel like he is a he's not a great piece to the puzzle. I know that. I'm not trying to down the kid, but Mike Woodson talks about him like he's something that, that the rest of us don't see, and that's what I don't understand. Yeah, he, he talks about him like he's such a sure thing. Like this is a surefire, all Big Ten type of guard. There are moments where he certainly is that certainly but um to me uh, again use Mike Woodson's own words what what do you say we were hoping that he'd stay healthy we were you know I mean uh, hope is a dangerous game to play and when you have 13 scholarships utilizing all 13 of them would seem pretty wise when you do have the injury concerns that you have I mean a broken foot for a change of pace point guard like Xavier Johnson hoping he'd come back from that in less than a year that to me is difficult in its own right and then again there's just natural inconsistency with him as a player to where I've labeled him Lance Stevenson. It's good Lance and it's bad Lance. And that's the up and down nature that comes with a player like that and not banking on insurance. Like that's where, again, Purdue made efforts in the portal to go after you know the Nigel Packs and Tyrese Hunters of the world. And when it didn't work out, the eggs were in the Braden Smith basket. And luckily for them, yeah. and a credit to Braden Smith and that coaching right. staff, it worked out and they were able to handle that. For Indiana, 
It's been in the Gabe Cup's basket, and that has not worked out at all. Last thing, he used the word desperate as well, going to get guards. I, I find that to be worrisome. IU should not be desperate. And at that point, you got to go money whip two mid-major guards. Yeah, and that, that's what Mike Woodson didn't do. And who knows? Maybe they'd be a bubble team. At least we'd be talking about a tournament. Maybe they'd be in the playing game. But they needed to go with all the kind of bullets in the gun that IU basketball has and money whip a couple guys to not play for, you know, Texas A&M Commerce to go play and to go play at Indiana on a one-year deal. Pacers all-star break storylines. What are we watching for when they return from the break? Where are their playoff odds? That, that number kind of surprised me. We'll touch on that on the other side. It is the wake-up call, 8 o'clock. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. We're here on a gorgeous Wednesday. I know you did, KB. Did you see this? No. Oh, you didn't see this at all? You didn't see this? I thought you were bringing up Justin Fields and the Bears here. (laughs) What, did something happen with Justin Fields and the Bears? Aren't they going to move him somewhere? He unfollowed them on uh, Instagram. Oh, he unfollowed them. Who cares? Uh, Who keeps track of that, Yeah, they're they're going to – some of this no lie. They're going to get Caleb Williams. They're good to go. Uh, Ellie smashed a a foul ball, a deep foul ball off off, uh, Hunter Green. He hit a car. Don't look now, but here come the red legs. I'm was, very optimistic about the Reds. It, it was uh, Hunter. I feel like Gre- you say that every year. It was Hunter Green's car. Hunter Green threw the pitch. Dela Cruz hit a deep fly ball. That's what Hunter Green gets for parking his car it, there. Uh, they Luckily, if there's any player on the Reds <laughs> roster that can afford that, it's Hunter Green. <laughs> he would be one of the only ones. Uh, there's no doubt Mark, about it. Mark, are you good with Justin Fields uh, departing? Yeah, I mean, I'm kind of, I'm kind of resigned to it. I think that's what they're going to end up doing, just because, I mean. It, they're saying it's going to take a historic, a historic haul to move them off of the number one spot. So I don't. So think you don't any turn team... into the trade back, get the historic haul, build a football team, and then either Justin Fields is the answer, or in a couple years down the road, you then draft that QB. No, I think they. I think they did that last year. They're not going to get a better haul. I don't think. Then I don't think anyone's going to come up to match what they're looking for for the number one spot. So I think they're going to take Williams. They're going to move off of Fields, see what they can get for him. I've heard rumors of a second-round pick. Okay, we'll see. Uh, but, yeah, I'll be interested to see where he lands. There's Steelers and Falcons rumors, so we'll see where he ends up. It'll be up. a popular topic when we're at the Combine next week. Yep. Oh, it's going to be it's gonna be a very one. Mark's going to be painting his uh, his uh, fingernails like Caleb Williams uh-huh. here coming up uh, in just a few weeks. The, so bear, that, the Bears be run the NFL offseason <laughs> once had an again. FND at one point on those nails. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it's fantastic. All right, you said you had some odds. Pacers back in yeah, what action do you think, tomorrow. Okay, what do you think right now? Pacers are the sixth seed in the playoffs. Right. Um, they are, what, a half game up on Orlando and Miami? Uh, Is that right? Yeah, they are a half game up on Miami and Orlando. Orlando and what is it? Three and a half games up on Chicago. Okay, so playoff chances for the Pacers with 26 games to go. What do you think those percentages are? Oh, I think it's probably pretty high. I'd say they're what they're minus 1500, maybe something like that. I mean, they're going to make the playoffs. It's a matter of are they the six seed or are they the seven or eight, right? I mean, that's the conversation. Mark, take a stab at it. <sighs> You're bringing this up like they're like they're really shockingly low. I know you're scaring me. I well, know. I think I bring. I don't know. I guess, we know where to go. I guess, Mark. Before you give your answer, I, I bring it up as like being the six versus the seven is a gargantuan difference. Oh, it's a huge. It's a huge difference. Like, on obviously, how we're if view you are the team. six, you're in the playoffs. Duh. But if you're the seventh, 
you are literally playing for your playoff lives. Now you get two cracks at it. It's again, seven versus eight. The winner of that becomes a seven seed. Nine versus 10. The winner of that plays loser of seven and eight. I think for the most part, we know how the playing works right now. But basically, they are a half game away from playing winner go home games to be in the playoffs. Um, I was shocked to see the number at 89% of them making the playoffs. Like, I mean, you were just one game away from being in the play-in. And that's where anything goes. And if you look at the play-in, if you face Orlando, Orlando's been arguably the team that's had the biggest thorn wow. in your side they're, this season. They're, they're a bad matchup. I mean, we've talked about that so all then, season. So yeah. then, uh, let's say, just play out the hypothetical, you lose to Orlando if you were to get Atlanta. I mean, that's one Trey Young 45-point night. I mean, when you've played Atlanta this year, it's been 150 to 150 type of games. So that's where I was surprised to see it that high. It started the year at 60%. And now, as we sit here coming back from the All-Star break, an 89% chance to make the playoffs. So it's a good surprise. Because you were scaring me making it seem like it was a bad... I was surprised it was that high. Yeah, yeah, but are they counting the playing games as the playoffs? No, no, no. Oh, you you so, have so to be one of the eight seeds. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, no. you got to be one of the eight. got to be in the actual bracket of well, the playoffs. I mean, so basically, if you bet $10 right now on the Pacers to make the playoffs, you'd win $1.25 if they made the playoffs. I know people that have done those bets. You bet a thousand dollars to win uh, to win a hundred, something like that. Well, I mean, they're saying they're already the six seed, right? Uh, I mean, I mean, I'm just I'm just going by what the odds may say. Okay, they're already the six seed, and if they get into the play-in situation, you know, they're still seen as probably one of the better teams. I, I think for me, you know, yesterday or was it two days ago? It's Monday. We had Tony East on. And he mentioned how he thinks ultimately they end up being the seven seed. And he threw in there his reasoning was the Miami Heat are just a better team than the Pacers. They have more championship medal, if you will. Uh, they have a couple's, you know, uh, the, you know, you have Bam and you have obviously my man Tyler Hero. I'm kidding. Jimmy Butler. Uh, they made the move for Terry Rozier. He thinks in the, you know, in these next 25, 26 games that they will move up. The Pacers could slip down. And then that gets us into what is scary is the conversation around Orlando because this year it's been admitted that Orlando is a bad matchup. Just like the Pacers perhaps are a bad matchup for someone like Milwaukee. By the way, I have a Bucks take here in a second. Uh, for Milwaukee, that might be Orlando. And, you know, if they're in that play-in and they were to lose out, the way we would view this season would be so different than if they're just simply the six seed and they take care of business. I mean, there's a lot to play for here in 26 games. And I will say on top of it, what's going to be, I don't know how this is going to be seen by fans, but you know, everyone who's been on our air, whether it's Carlisle, Chad Buchanan, they've all said, hey, you know, we're still building this thing. So last year you go from top 10 lottery KB to this year, if you even made the play-in, or if you you know if you're in the play-in, you win the play-in and you go get blasted in the first round. I don't think that's going to happen. Can they swing that to us? Of look at the growth from last year to this year. We had some injuries. We made some substantial moves. Now we get an off season with Halliburton and Pascal Siakam. To me, if they don't get the six seed. It's going to be what they can sell to us, and I don't know the answer. I don't think you are going to be too accepting of, no, of not any at all. of that. I mean, again, before the Siakam trade, start of the year, 
what I say to you? Five or six seed, 45 wins. Right now, they're exactly on that path. Literally, they're 31-25. and 25. If you map that out to 82 games, it'd be a 45-win season. They're sitting there in the sixth seed right now. And again, this is pre-Siakam trade. When you make the Siakam trade and you do something that is much more of a short-term, win-now sort of move, those expectations have sure. to rise. Things change, right. So if There's you no doubt. don't get to those levels, and just more than anything, and Andy, you and I were there last Thursday at the vote. Again, how many times did Tyrese Halliburton bring up the fact that he's never played in a playoff game? I, I swear he did it five different times. Uh, it's a big deal to this franchise. Sitting on that couch for, for an hour. It, it's a big deal to your star. And if you start looking at playoff appearances for these guys, certainly Siakam brings a lot of history. But they, there's not much on this roster, especially from your main guys. And if you're a guy like Miles Turner, it's been quite some time since you have experienced that. Um, again, I am very up in the air on what type of Pacers team we're about to see. They just went through easily their most up-and-down month of the season. There's plenty of context around that via trades and injuries. And you could say that about a lot of Eastern Conference teams, to be fair right now. A lot of them are dealing with some health questions. Um, But, you know, as you look ahead to tomorrow night when the Pacers get back on the court, I thought Rick Carlisle kind of hinted at it to us yesterday. These first seven games out of the break, you've got to take advantage of them big time. They need to be five and two, something like that. You start with four home games. Yep. You don't play a single team in the top five of either conference. Uh, You play the worst team in the East tomorrow. You play the worst team in the West in San Antonio coming up in a couple of games. You need to take advantage of that. Now, again, having said that, there's still questions of, okay, you know, what's that second unit look like cohesion-wise? I think your bench has really struggled for consistency since really the Siakam and probably more the Buddy Heald trade in what does that unit look like. Now, again, Matherin has been out for some of that. Jalen Smith has been out. For some of that, there's a trickle down effect if Aaron Neesmith doesn't play tomorrow night in what your starting lineup would would look like. So um, on paper, there's a beautiful opportunity here to string some together out of the gate. But I also sit here and think, man, what team are we about to see? Again, the last time we oh, saw I have, them, I have no idea in that Toronto game. They just were surviving. It to was get that sur- win. Now, again, you missed a lot of guys in that game. Um, can you start to formulate a bit of consistency here? But uh, yes, it would be an outright disappointment if you did not make the playoffs. And I'd argue it'd be a bit disappointing if you fell into the play-in. Well, I, y- yes. I mean, I, I would agree with you. I, I now, just, teams, I, 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 say, I say that a little bit half-hearted because Miami's a perfect example, Andy. You can make up for it if you just make the dance and then obviously pull off a huge upset. Now, that's not a given. The NBA very rarely sees seven or eight seeds do that in the opening round. But I view a successful second half into the postseason as you get one of these top six seeds and you are extremely competitive in a round one series. Extremely competitive. Yeah, see, I'm with you, and I would even go, here's a step further I would go. I kind of feel like, listen, Boston, you know, Boston to me is the team that's going to be in the finals for, you know, from the Eastern Conference. I think Boston's just a bad matchup for many, many teams in the NBA, including the, the the Pacers. So do I want to see? Do I want to stay away from Boston? Would I want to see a Cleveland? Now I happen to think the Knicks. If OG comes back and he's healthy, I think they could be a tricky matchup as well. You want to stay away from Boston? I think for me, what I am going to find interesting, not only with you, but I'm using you as the example, 
if they don't pull through in these final 26 games, and I'm with you, I don't know what to expect over the next month and a half or so. Is Has this season become very little gray area, very little nuance, very much pass or fail? That's how it sounds like. That's how that's the situation kind of I feel like you're setting up is listen, if they can make the playoffs because they need to play in these series to get that experience. You it's kind of like Anthony Richardson. He can sit all year, he can have the shoulder injury, and he can be mentally locked into practices and games, but that's not the same thing as going out there against the Baltimore Ravens and playing 60 minutes of football. Well, it's uh, not the same thing. Again, especially it, when you don't have your first round pick. Like the, 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 there's no point in like, I mean, I look at these NBA mock drafts and I look at them to see where Zach Eady and Cleo Ware are. Like that that's where my interest is. What? It's not necessarily to look at them and say, okay, if the Pacers don't make the playoffs right, they, or if they bow out early, where would they be? There's nothing in round well, one. You, you have so, a, you have an early round two. And, but again, it's not their own. I know. And, that so so the Pacers standings, it doesn't matter where the Pacers finish record wise, because they don't have that that early second round pick is Toronto's, correct? It's it's Toronto's. So right. that's the team. We so, honestly so it's, should be. It's going to be a high pick, but it's not a first rounder. It's a second rounder. I mean, the only thing like I'm, in years past, you had your sure, first round pick, you, so there was a a chunk of the fan base. I'm not saying it was overwhelming that cared more about that. Now it has shifted, and the Siakam trade again has shifted it more in my eyes. Of no, no, no. We're not playing the mock draft game here in 2024. We're playing the you get experience at a level that your franchise has not seen in quite some time, which is a it's a foreign experience for for us in this market. We're not used to the Pacers. No, it's a good conversation. A it's, it's a good conversation instead of worrying about okay, who's the and if you look at these mock drafts, boy, there are some names people are not going to know. So many of these lottery picks, KB. It's going to be funny when we start going through some of these because there's a lot of guys who are on random either college teams uh, who are foreign players that people are just not going to know or who have played in you know G League, you know Elite, Ignite, whatever it is. I, I would say, last thing on this, two things. Jarris Walker is kind of your draft pick. I, I know people may not want to hear that, but... This is a redshirt year for him for the most part. So next year, there is a guy that you're developing that you expect to be a big part of your team. It's not a rookie. I understand. It's not the same as getting you know the 11th overall pick, but Jarris Walker is part of the conversation. And then, you know, I've looked at you and some of these fans and said, what's the gray area, pass, fail, whatever. We don't need to do that. We can look at Tyrese Halliburton. If they don't make the playoffs... Tyrese Halliburton, I think, will come out and say, this season did not go the way we thought it was going to go. I think he will create the narrative of, this wasn't good enough. That's my opinion yeah. at the I, end of the year. And he's right, frankly. Um, yeah, he would be right. I looked at a couple of mock drafts yesterday, NBA-wise. Uh, interesting to see, I guess, both of these mocks. And I don't know if this is a big man bias, but ESPN with Jonathan um, Gavoni, is that it? Yeah, Gavoni. Yeah. Um, he had Zach Eady. 13 to the Kings. That's the highest I've ever seen him, right? In the last two seasons? Now, let me read off the other names. Again, compare it to Sam Fasini with The Athletic. But Edie, 13 to the Kings. Khalil Ware, 24 to the Pelicans. The Athletics mock draft had Edie going the final pick of round one to Boston. And then Khalil Ware going 43 to the Rockets. So if you look at that, Edie drops 17 spots from one mock to the next. Ware drops 19 
from one, it almost seemed like the ESPN mock is not as much like, hey, we don't care about big guys, you know, like, yeah, no uh, we're going to, that's we're, a big discrepancy, gonna, honestly. And it's both of them, you know, yeah. it'd be one thing if it was just one of the players, one of the two, and I get that Edie and Way are not the exact same player, granted you'd label both of them as big guys, um, but still, uh, that's a little bit of an insight Look into let me ask where you Khalil Ware and where Zach Eady are being projected right let, now. Let me ask you this. If I said one guy... And by the way, McKenzie Mbaka was not in either. Yeah, he wasn't in any, any of them. If I said one guy were to go in the first round, who do you think it would be? Eady or Khalil Ware? Well, I would say Eady just based off that. Uh, it, it's, it probably would have been a fair question at the start of the season. Right. Just because I felt like there was that knock from the NBA that, you know, Eady is still not necessarily considered a first-round talent. I mean, when you read more on why they there's been this change of heart with Eady, you know, it seems like, okay, he plays a little bit better in space. He's continuing to dominate college basketball at a crazy level. Um, I think people are starting to realize just, I mean, again, the organized basketball to him is, what, seven years, six years? And if you look at his form from a shooting standpoint, like, it looks very good to me. I, I, you know, can he? Because I think we have to remember with Edie, once he gets into an NBA game, Andy, n- no team is going to be game planning to take away Zach Edie at the NBA level. Like, right now, if you're Steve Peichel for tomorrow night, or, th- yeah, Thursday night, like, you are, plan A, B, and C is all about what you're going to do with Edie. When he comes into the game as that ninth man, let's just say the, for the Boston Celtics next year, you think they have put Jason Tatum, <laughs> Jalen Brown, Drew right. Holiday, and company ahead of Zach Eady on the scouting report. And if you put Sam Hauser and you put Peyton Pritchard and you put these shooters around him, you obviously are spacing the floor. Because right now, even with Purdue, I mean, Trey Kaufman-Wren clogs up a lot of space. Yeah, no kidding. From that starting lineup, Sam. I think that's why you see Mason Gillis play as many minutes as he does I, when I the to- second half I rolls to- around. I totally agree. So Totally agree. I, honestly, more than anything, I am just so curious to see Edie. Like, I could envision Trace Jackson Davis. Runs the floor great, going to be a bit of a lob guy. You know, okay, that, that, that to me makes sense. How Edie looks, though, and the lack of attention that will be there for it. Like, are NBA teams going to run doubles at him? Find me a big that gets in the game with a second unit in the NBA and teams run double teams at the dude. <laughs> you know, it, 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 but then again, find me or show me, and you probably can't a lot, second unit, you know, point guards that run circles around big men that don't defend well in space. And you try to bring that guy away from the basket because obviously shooting is much more prevalent from, you know, Cliff Amore, I think uh, Purdue will be happy if he you know, chucks a few threes tomorrow night. There will be big men in the NBA that get in with the second unit, i.e. a Jalen Smith or something like that, where you aren't going to have that that sort of luxury. So I would say Edie, um, but that has definitely changed for me in the last couple of months. Edie's one of those guys where if he went 23rd, okay, we wouldn't be surprised. And if the NBA did their potential game and he ended up slipping into the second round, I don't think I would be surprised either. In fact... I would I would take Edie before Khalil Ware if we're talking about the first round, any round for that matter. But I could totally see Khalil Ware get taken before Zach Edie. Totally. Yeah. And, and Ware, totally. I think to be fair to him, it, it hasn't been perfect by any means of Bloomington, but he's certainly helped himself from what the narrative was exiting Oregon. He, he's been the only guy that, I mean, I'm sitting here saying, I mean, they'll lose a game. He'll have 22 and 12. 
I and, mean, don't you feel that way? You're watching them. It's like, well, besides Khalil Ware, there ain't much there. I mean, look at Renew's game is and it's the off. variety of the skill set. Like, I mean, this is a guy that can stretch it a little bit. You know, has some nice post moves. You know, there are time, you're gonna have to put weight on that body, and again, the motor's gonna have to continue to increase. But you see some rim protection. You're like, okay, how old is he? 19 or 20? And we can work with that skill set. I, I get why there's yeah, some NBA. 19. There's some NBA I, I, intrigue. Yeah, with I think certainly. I think I looked at it. It was I think ESPN does this. He'll be 19 in six months. I think uh, when he's drafted, uh, will will clear where. Just looking at Sam Vicente's on the Athletic. Uh, get ready. Uh, you want to break these down, Mark Dighton? You ready for this? Uh, the top pick going to the Pistons. Uh, Pistons. Zachariah uh, Reisker. Do you know anything about him from JL Borg? Oh. Sounds like a store at the mall. <laughs> Alex Saar. Now, we've seen a lot of him. I feel like I've seen... He's the big dude from Down Under, yeah, right? he's from the Perth Wildcats. He's going two. Three would be Nicola Topic. Um, again, I don't know. And then our first college player at four, Cody Williams, who nobody knows who that is. That's a guy from, uh, Colorado, from Colorado, right? Uh, and then we get into some people we know. We're going to need Fran Fraschilla on the main set this year with all the international Seems like a good year to just not have draft picks. <laughs> now, obviously, it's a great thing for Edie you and Ware. And again, this is where I think you'll see a lot of guys that you say, wait, that guy's declaring for the draft? Right. Because they realize it is a down year. Um, for the draft. Um, all right, coming up in a bit, Jeremiah Johnson going to join us at nine. You think JJ will be a fan of the NBA versus World? Yeah, I'm. F- I think he will be. Now he was he was in attendance. I need to know what JJ, what kind of uh, seats he had for the festivities he was on Friday, good. Saturday, and Sunday. He had a nice. Him and Pat Boylan were looking fancy on Sunday night. Does he know what show he's coming on at nine o'clock? Uh, we did shake hands and make up. Oh, the cool. Rick Carlisle uh, coaches show. That's Is that the, the exact phrase? That- do, do we ever find the audio, Mark? <laughs> I, I dug and dug. I couldn't find it. Chris Gall going to join us coming up to round things out. Again, the Combine and the All-Star game in back-to-back, or I guess a little uh, slight week break in between the two. Uh, quite the time of year for sports events here in the city of Indianapolis. Chris Gall from Visit Indy will join us to talk more about that. Let's lead off a morning check down with a little hoopage. The Morning Checkdown, brought to you by the Barbasol Horizon League Basketball Championships. March starts here at the Indiana Farmers Coliseum, March 11th and 12th. All right, not the uh, not the output you wanted to see last night from Butler. Losers on the road there in Philadelphia to Villanova, 72-62, your final. Butler now 7-9 in conference, 16-11. Joe Lenardi has them truly as the last team in the NCAA tournament. Uh, Butler, another big one Saturday night on the road against Seen Hall, a team probably on the other side of the bubble. So very much uh, kind of, a, I wouldn't say an elimination game, but two teams trying to get in to the NCAA tournament. Indiana in action tonight. They host Nebraska 8.30 on the Big Ten Network. Catch that one, IBC, at 7.30. That will be our coverage. Mike Woodson yesterday, we need to win all these games. We got six games left, and... I think we got to win them all. I mean, that's just maybe I'm putting pressure on our guys, but that's the only way I can coach. You know, we got to take it one game at a time and try to win them all. Nebraska favored KB in this one by a point and a half. And again, I know a lot of people probably don't pay attention to the the Nebraska bubble situation. Uh, They are right there. Lenardi's got them just above the bubble. They have not won a Big Ten road game. It is February 21st. They are 8-0 at home. And 0 and 7 on the road. If you remember that first matchup, Nebraska beat Indiana 86 to 70 in early January. Ah, you actually shot the ball very well on the road that night. 
uh, from behind the arc. Big turnover number. And Tomonaga, the Japanese buddy healed is how I label. I, I would take that dude in the second round. <laughs> oh, wait, that dude's a, he's wait, a beast. second round, what just year? be a microwave off the bench. <laughs> what year is he? Twenty eight points he had in the opener. Do you have there. any idea what? And he's what a celebrator. Year he is? He's he, a senior. He'll hit threes tonight, and he will look at he, he'll look at the candies in the uh, in the student section. Oh, you're damn right, he will. Yeah, he's averaging uh, fourteen a game. Leading scorer there at Nebraska. Good for him. 28 in that first matchup. All right. Um, last night, the other college basketball thing we should mention, UConn losing by 19 to Creighton. That is, I would say, good news for Butler and improving that win that they got on the road with Creighton. For what it's worth, and, and I don't I, I don't even know if I should even bring it up. doesn't matter too, too much. But Joe Lenardi did flip-flop uh, Purdue back to that number one overall seed line after the loss by UConn last night. Uh, Matt Norlander from CBS Sports had just a wild stat on UConn. They have lost their last 21 road games to ranked teams. That's unbelievable. I mean, not every team you face is the number one team in the country, like too. They haven't like, beaten not even a back-end top 25 the team. The 23rd ranked team on the road? I know. That's a surprise. There's a couple stats coming from last night that were surprising. Uh, so now UConn and Purdue both you know viewed a bit invincible here in the last couple of weeks. Uh, they both fall. Um, and all-star viewing numbers. I don't know how much people necessarily care about this. I guess I'm still waiting for the overall viewership uh, from the weekend, but up 14% from last year. That's what the NBA wants to tell you. Uh, that's the PR number. It's also the second least watched all-star game of all time. <laughs> 5.5 million viewers for what it's worth. The Pro Bowl was 5.7. You know, I was there, so I don't. Get, I didn't get a whole lot of this, but did they mic up? A lot of guys in game because that is something I do like with the MLB All-Star game. I really enjoy the and I don't know if it's Smoltz or whoever it is, but I enjoy when they interact with the players on the field. Did they do that during the NBA All-Star game? They did a lot of that before the game. So not even like guys on the bench in game? Just a little bit. It wasn't a huge, huge part of the broadcast. No. I mean, plus you got to watch out. (laughs) <laughs> you got to watch out. You go live down there to someone on the court mm-hmm. of the bench. Things are going to be said, you know. Well, that's why you got Mark Dyson on the dump button. You got yeah. him on the dump button. The poor guy on the dump button for the national broadcast. Yeah, I don't I just I I don't care too much. I know people get hung up on viewership. A lot of people like to weaponize this against the NBA. I've seen a lot of it that, you know, that LeBron or Adam Silver, they've done a they've done a bad job with this. I I, I don't know. If you told me this was a game that was going to be close, it was going to be played in maybe the one thirties, one forties, but guys were going to be trying in that fourth quarter, do we think that number would magically double? I, I just I'm not sure I feel that way. I think where they, you know, we've done all this about what they need to do. See, I think viewership would go up. I think viewership would go up. But I think what they need to do first and foremost is not start the game at 841. I I think people were really griping about that. Do you know what time the national championship for college basketball starts? Like 920. Yeah, yeah, and no one watches that either. It's ridiculous. It was weird, though, because it it said 8 p.m. And even my Ashley's like. This game hasn't started yet. It's almost like nine o'clock. I'm like, yeah, I don't yeah. know. It's I, I just, just viewed it, it more as every NBA game starts like 12 minutes after the normal start I mean, time. Even TNT was showing tweets of people like, "Is this game starting at some point?" And they're like laughing, like, "It's coming up. We promise." It's like, 
Oh what's, yeah, they, what's the hold? They up were here? in on it, but I think for me that would be one of the first things is let's move this up. I'm not saying you have to do it at six thirty, six forty like the Super Bowl, but give me a give me a I don't know, give me a seven seven thirty. I'm not sure why on the East Coast we're starting the game at yeah, nine o'clock. I think product matters a lot more than I, start I, I, time. I agree, but we need we need multiple things. We need them to make some sort of adjustment with the game. Then you need to get these guys where they give a damn, and then you need to have the game not at nine o'clock. To me, it needs to be two or three, four different things to get the viewership from the basement that it's in right now. I'm going to throw my world roster at Jeremiah Johnson here coming up. I think I'm all in on the world team. I, But I'm worried Ugh. that we're I'm worried that we're too big. We need some guards. Are you, are you Mike Woodson? Can I put... Yeah, <laughs> get Xavier Johnson. Again, my world team, for those that missed it, I'm sure everyone is just on pins and needles waiting for this. My starting lineup... My backcourt, Shea Gilgis-Alexander, Jamal Murray, Luka Doncic, Joker, and Giannis. Like that five. My bench, really big. Webb and Yama, Sabonis, Laurie Markkinen, Carl Anthony Towns, Pascal Siakam, Rudy Gobert, and boy, I, I just I had to throw another wing or guard on here. I went with OG Ananobi. I guess I could have gone with like Lou Dort. My missing people, <laughs> Matherin. Yeah, I mean, Franz would Wagner. Be one. Yeah, the, yeah, Wagner's. Yeah, the, the, I think you did a good job. That's a good team. Solid it's roster. A, it's a very good team. Now, where you might get gripes from the NBA American side is if you did 12 versus 12, you'd eliminate some American All-Stars. Oh, yeah, a thousand percent. Yeah. So are you have we Luke Dort on your team? Are we extending, you know, obviously, like, Ananobi's not an All-Star, you know, for this year, Siakam wasn't an, an, an an all-star. Um, I don't. Jamal Murray wasn't either, no, even though wasn't. I think at you know at times he certainly has been that in his career. So would you get pushback from the yes. Americans that you're cutting yes. to? Yes, to because 12? because saying you're an all-star absolutely matters. Like if Pascal Siakam were an all-star, you know he can use that as hey, you know now you have two all-stars uh, on the on the Pacers side. Uh, I well, Gardner Minshew was a Pro Bowler. Yeah, there you go. Exactly. Uh, here in the next 30 minutes, I know we have Jeremiah Johnson coming up at 9. Uh, there is a story out there. I want to see if you're horrified by it. Oh, gosh. Okay, both of you. Uh, doesn't have to do with sports, so it can be short, okay? And then ESPN, good God, they're trying to push a team like we're supposed to care about him in the NBA. I want to talk about that as well. Well, college football playoff. Should I be happy as a Notre Dame fan mm. with this announcement or not? We'll chat about that. Coming up on the other side, enjoy the weather on this Wednesday. It is the wake-up call here. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Jeremiah Johnson will join us at 9 o'clock. Uh, we'll dive into some college football playoff stuff. The um, They finally figured out exactly how they're going to choose their champion over the next couple seasons, good and bad. Uh, for the SEC, mostly good. For the Big Ten, mostly good. Good and bad for Notre Dame. Uh, so some local ties. We'll dive into that. Here's my story that I teased on the other side that I want to see if you guys are horrified by, okay? I, I don't know if you guys are bothered by airline uh, stories at all, like airplane stories. I don't know. You know, I, I've done radio with people who are horrified of flying and then other people who don't care. Give me turbulences. Get me to wherever I'm going, okay? <laughs> I fall in that, the latter category. Okay, yeah. so, I, I would prefer not, not the turbulence if okay. I could vote. Well, did you happen to see this yesterday? And Danny Cannell, of all people, Danny Cannell is the one that tweeted this out, that an Atlantic jet stream pushed an airplane Okay, so it's behind the airplane. This jet stream pushed an airplane 300 miles per hour jet stream. 
The airplane was flying over 800 miles per hour. (laughs) And it looked like there was a lot of turbulence. Like if, you know, someone was videoing in the cabin uh, and it looked like they were going through a great amount of turbulence. And some of it was so much so that, you know, people had their hands on the seat in front of them. Like that's going to do anything. If you have Canal is on the flight. So no, Danny Canal just tweeted it out. He's the one that I don't know how he saw it or, or what, but he tweeted it out. And this airplane was going like 850 miles per hour. It was going faster than the speed of sound. I mean, if you survived and maybe you were flying to Vegas and that's a four or five hour flight, you get there in two and a half hours. I don't know. Someone was saying that Luca. Is that possible, though, for a commercial airline? Isn't that like the you're breaking the sound barrier? Well, going 800 maybe miles it was an a hour. Boeing issue here. Uh, someone was saying that well, Luca. That means the doors are flying off. Luka Doncic <laughs> flew straight from Indy to an island in Croatia. Oh, did he? Good for him. After the All Star game, I think so. What he spends max what forty eight hours there? Because Rick Carlisle told us yesterday, if you play in the All Star game, you don't you you get the excuse practice. Does he have to be there for that would Tuesday? Be, that would be the question. I, I'd assume no. Well, I would assume absolutely. Because Dallas not. plays Thursday, just like Indiana, yeah, so, so it shows up today. So literally, he flies over there, pretty much red eyes it, yeah, and I assume sleeps on the plane, and then gets to Croatia Monday morning, late morning. Spends all Monday there, all Tuesday there, and flies back Tuesday night, and now wakes up in Dallas this morning and (laughs) gets back to his job. It's a good life. It's a good life. Must be nice, right? Yeah, it must be nice. So good for him. So uh, Notre Dame uh, college football playoff. Uh, Should I be mad or sad or happy about the update? Okay, so the college football playoff committee, now they were going to do... The six and six model. So you're going to see a lot of this on ESPN and CBS and other things. Uh, and given that the Pac-12 now has died, based not has, I mean it has died. Uh, now it's a five and seven model, which means you're going to have the four main college football conferences and a group of five are going to be your top seeds. They're going to get uh, the top four. They're going to get a buy. Uh, And so, I mean, that's not too surprising for conference championship winners. I mean, the SEC winner, the Big Ten winner, you know, they're not going to get screwed over and be the eight seed or something like that. You know, if if Alabama wins uh, the SEC, they're not going to be the nine seed. So, you know, this was all agreed upon for the next couple years. So, you know, I mean, obviously you'll have your uh, group of five team, you'll have your big conference winners, and they're putting, um, I think one of the main things is they're putting – you know, the SEC and Big Ten are saying, okay, we're going to acknowledge these other conference and their conference winners, which is, you know, quite frankly, not something that they've always done. And so, you know, that that was something we knew. This wasn't a surprise uh, whatsoever. So they'll get a bye. The first round are going to be played at at campuses, which I, I think a lot of people have yelled and screamed, if you're going to be adding all these rounds to the playoffs, go ahead and give me, you know, if, uh, you know, you know, give me a game at, uh, you know, you saw a game in Tennessee, right? You saw, uh, you know, in Knoxville, give me a hundred thousand people, give me a Penn State host, you know, Wisconsin, uh, a Tennessee, a, which, you know, a Georgia. I love the on-campus nature oh, I, to I, it. I, I do. Frankly, I, I, I wish we could extend it one more round. I, listen, that would be fine with me. And then it mixes in the bowls, and obviously uh, the bowl structure will still be there on the back end. And so, you know, I, I don't think there are too many hot takes with all of that. I mean, you're going to have seven at large. We already know that this is great for teams like Ole Miss, Penn State, 
um, Georgia this this past season. You know, teams. Yeah, LSU. L- yeah. LSU. I mean, just think of those teams. I- I'm probably forgetting someone in the Big 12 uh, that might, you know, you know, in Oklahoma State, you know, might go 10 and 2. Now, Notre Dame has become interesting because there were tweets going around that this is bad for Notre Dame. I actually happen to think, you know, as you know, KB, there is very much people love, like yourself, Notre Dame. And then there are other people, uh, probably a nice size of our listening audience, that hate Notre Dame. Really? And, and no, I didn't and, know that. And, and don't want to see favoritism. That doesn't sound and when possible. they make the college football playoff, they're saying to hell with them. They don't have to play in a conference title game and everything else. So the Notre Dame angle, I'm interested in what you think because you could look at it either as a good thing or a bad thing. They're not going to be... No matter how good they are, they're not going to be one of those top teams. And they're not going to be a one seed, a two seed, a three seed, or a four Correct. seed. Even if okay? they went undefeated. Even if they right. go undefeated, they're not going to be that. They're because, not getting the bye. But yeah, they're not going to get a bye, so they're going to have to play four games to win the national title. That puts them at a disadvantage. But what puts them at an advantage, besides their own independence in which they can make their own money, is I feel like if Notre Dame goes like 10-2, they'll get in. So now there's a much higher hit rate of getting in. And you don't have to play in a conference title game, which also some teams are going to have to do as well. So I actually think it's a good balance of Notre Dame is getting punished some, no doubt, for not being in a conference. The flip side is you feel like if you go 10-2, and the Notre Dame is obviously going to find their way into the college football playoff. So I don't know. How do you look at it? Well, and again, let me just reiterate to everybody out there. Notre Dame wanted this. Like this is what they this is what Jack Swarbrick pitched. This is what Notre Dame wanted. So, you know, they are getting what they want. Now there are some things I like about it, frankly, the twelve team nature to it. And, you know, you just mentioned seven at larges. Yes, as a Notre Dame fan, I'm very happy about that aspect to it. Um I don't love the inability to get a buy. Like that, that does fr- frustrate me. Now, I totally acknowledge, and you just laid it out Notre Dame doesn't play in the conference championship game. But let's not act like the conference championship game is the same as what a, what a uh, round of 16 game, I guess, would be a round of 12 game if I want to get technical. But um, l- let's call it the round of 16 just to act like it's an NCAA tournament men's basketball bracket or women's basketball bracket. Like, if you lose a conference championship game, okay, two SEC teams go to the conference title game, Andy. For every single year that this format is in existence, the loser of the SEC championship game is going to be in the playoffs. There is no doubt about it. There's no way the second place team in the SEC is out of the top 12 teams in college football. Like that, and same thing probably for the Big Ten. There's no way the Big Ten next year, if we get Ohio State and Oregon as the top two teams to the Big uh, Big Ten Championship, and Ohio State beats Oregon in the Big mm-hmm. Ten title game, Oregon's still going to the playoffs. Right, right. So to say that Notre Dame's conference championship game is now on the same level as everybody else, it's just not true. Because if Notre Dame loses their first playoff game, they're done. Their season's over. So I, I, I don't think it's apples to apples. Now, having said that, trust me, I hear everyone out there saying, well, just join a conference. I totally get that. Notre Dame could easily solve this by joining a conference. They're choosing not to. Oh, God, the ACC would do anything. Yeah. Right. And two, well, so uh, frankly, I think the well, Big Ten, the ACC. Would, sure, sure. <laughs> I'm well. just using the ACC, you know, has the flirtation right. where they share games and other and sports other sports, and everything. Yeah. yeah. Now, 
the second part of it, Notre Dame obviously would get a home game right. for the first playoff game. Which would be a great scene. Which be a great scene. I love the on-campus nature. I'll go back to what I said to you a couple minutes ago. I want the on-campus aspect to the playoff. I want it to go one round further. Because right now, you just laid it out. Four teams get a bye. So that means five plays 12, six plays 11, seven plays 10, eight plays nine. We'll get four on-campus sites for those opening round games. I absolutely love it. Now, when those teams advance, and let's just play it out and say all the favorites advance. So now we get one versus eight, two versus seven, three versus six, four versus five. I want those four to be on right, campus. Right. Well, I don't want to go to neutral, and I get it. I, I, this bowl, is me just griping. The bowl system runs college football. You know this. But I want those games to be on campus site. Then when we get to the semifinal, we can do the neutral. Right, get the when we get to the championship, right. we can go neutral. I get that. I'd like to see the home on-campus stuff extend one week further. What frustrates me or makes me nervous as a Notre Dame fan is this. You're asking Notre Dame to win, what, four games in five no. weeks? Oh, that's exactly what you're doing, yeah. And again, if they go 12-0 and in the in the regular season, or even 11-1, and Notre Dame's been 11-1 and and been a playoff team before, if they go 11-1 and and finish third in the nation, they still are going to have to win four games in five weeks, and... Three of those are going to be on neutral sites. I don't love that. I wish that they had the buy because, again, to me, you can't equate a conference championship ramification loss to a playoff loss. If Notre Dame's a seven seed and they're playing the 10, if they lose that game, their season's over. If, again, Oregon loses the Big Ten title game or LSU loses the SEC title game, they're still going to the playoff. So, to me, you can't compare that. Before anyone gripes, it's Notre Dame has made the bed and they now have to crawl into it. So I, I there's this is not me acting like woe is me. Notre Dame deserves better. That part of me wishes Jack Swarbrick, you know, maybe would have tried a little bit different from a um, I don't know tactful approach in, in, into how. Uh, to get themselves into the playoff. But for the most part, I don't think Notre Dame fans have a huge gripe here. Now, the other thing uh, with this, and and listen, you're spot on. I mean, we know what we're going to get here. To me, two things. To me, some of these other conferences may complain. Like, I don't know how good the Big 12 is going to be with all the additions. I know the ACC stinks. So if the ACC gets one team in... I ain't going to sit here and cry about if someone is left out. Now, I happen to think this is a way for the ACC to get a second team in. Uh, and again, I'm not, I'm Notre Dame's by themselves. I know even though they'll play some ACC teams. Um, and then we'll see what happens with the Big 12. I mean, there is no doubt about it that the Big 10 in, SC, in the SEC here, throwing a bone to the other conferences. And the flip side of that is, hey, understand that all of our teams that just miss out the old misses of the world, at times the LSUs of the world, Penn State's a great one. I mean, I mean, James Franklin, he may, you know, he'll yeah, play in the Rose Bowl. for 10-2 yeah, every I mean, year. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. they'll go 10-2, and two, but they're not going to make that. I mean, James Franklin's very good. He's not going to make the college football playoff when he was at four teams. But now that you expand it, uh, he'll, he'll be there. Um, so I'm interested to see what the things people will complain about are I don't know because they'll complain about you know the SEC and Big Ten and then you'll have you know you'll have an LSU and uh, that first round matchup the 7-10 might be LSU versus Penn State well what's that scene going to be right right you know LSU walking into a cold weather stadium now the other thing and it's going to be 
it's going to be interesting is how much, you know, college football is going to be very much up against uh, some of the NFL playoffs. It's going to be back in January. Uh, it's going to be right around, I would have to look up the 2025 dates, but it is going to be right around conference championship weekend. So we are going to have here, you know, the absolute best college football games in a weekend. You know, we're going to be sitting there potentially. Am I wrong here? We're going to be sitting there on a weekend and we are going to have the biggest NFL playoff games and the biggest college football playoff games are going to be sitting right next to each other on the sports calendar, which I'm fine with. But I know some people don't like that. They want to see their separation of church and state. couple questions I got from some um, listeners here. The Big Ten's doing away with the divisions, right? Yeah, and so is the SEC. Right, okay, because Rex goes, if the SEC East is down like years past and you have a three or four loss SEC matter. championship game loser, that they, they, they wouldn't get in. And again, uh, these conferences are doing away with, well, and, and, with the And the SEC's adding a ninth game. Uh, I think they've said they're going to do that next year or the year after, which is just going to kill teams like South Carolina and Kentucky and Mississippi State. They'll have to play another SEC team, which you know is very much a 50-50 game, or you get a big dog on the schedule, uh, and you're going to lose that. So, But what that's going to do is it's going to make the SEC more money. It's going to make them look better. So you know they can get nine and three teams into the college football playoff. I think, I think that will be the main question. How many non-double-digit win teams get in? I think that will be the question I will have very early on. And then MPS, so is college football playoff, does the number one overall seed get the lowest remaining seed a la the NFL or is it locked in it's a to great, that eight now I, 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 I don't believe know. it's locked into the bracket I think this will be like an NCAA tournament bracket not like the NFL playoffs where they reseed right I, I, I'm pretty sure on that but again those are some questions to answer all right in about 10 minutes Jeremiah Johnson gonna join us as we get back to uh, a little bit of Pacers chatter Coming up in the 9 o'clock hour. It is a wake-up call here, 93.5107.5 The Fan. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. I always love, like the listener, uh, what kind of mood is Mark Dighton going to be in? A little hip-hop today from uh, from Marky D. I like that. Welcome in. Uh, wake Up Call, KB and Andy hanging out with you. One more hour to go, as always, broadcasting live from the drivehubler.com studios. You miss any of the show, check it out, 1075thefan.com. All right, let's head on out. Payless Liquors Hotline, Jeremiah Johnson joining us. JJ, Bally's Sports, Indiana. Uh, Jeremiah, good morning. We appreciate you joining us. Before we dive into all-star break stuff, and I want to get your thoughts, obviously, being around all the festivities this weekend, KB and I were just mentioning this, that right now the odds of the Pacers making the playoffs, not, you know, the top eight seeds, okay, not just the play-in, but actually making the playoff rounds is over 89, what was it, 89.9%. What do you think of that number? Those odds, obviously, pretty good for the Pacers. First, I'd like to say it's an honor to be a guest on the Rick Carlisle show. Happy to be uh, joining you guys this morning. Second qualifier I'll make is that uh, as a team employee, I'm not allowed to uh, to speak to odds specifically, uh, but I'll just say that uh, the Pacers are in a good position now. And when the season started, I still thought that the playoffs were a goal for the team, and that was something they would shoot for, not just to be at the play-in tournament, but to be in the real playoffs. And right now, I mean, it's basically if there are some tiers in the Eastern Conference, and you can clearly see the top 
team is Boston. Then two through five is another tier. And, and right now it's it's Pacers, Heat, and Magic in six, seven, and eight. And if you're seventh or eighth, you still have some work to do. So uh, if you're seventh or eighth, you're not guaranteed to be a playoff team, but you have a very good chance compared to if you're ninth or tenth. But I think this team is shooting on a, a goal towards being top six and not having to, to deal with the play-in tournament. So I like their chances. Health will be a big determining factor over the final third of the season. And, and that's another thing that's kind of worth pointing out. It's not the halfway point of the season. Two-thirds of the season already in the books, uh, less than one-third left. And so every game from this point forward is really important. I do want to get to that health, but I must acknowledge I will never forget the glare I got from Jeremiah Johnson as I'm going up the escalator the other night after the Warriors game. Uh, probably a, a show you weren't looking forward to too too much, JJ, after that home effort in the old loft there, but I did yell down to Jeremiah from the escalator. Um, shout out to the Rick Carlisle radio show there. And let's just say JJ didn't smile too much at me. So JJ, I apologize for that. But you guys shook hands, right? The All-Star well, we weekend? You guys made we up? We did. Okay. Shook hands, exchanged some texts. Well, I'd heard it for two straight days every time I tuned in, whether it was your show or you calling in another show or someone telling me they heard you talking about a show. And then, uh, you know, that wasn't the most pleasant game to watch. And I don't always hear everything that is yelled from the fans on the escalator, but that just happened to be a moment where uh, the uh, the intercom in the entry pavilion happened to be a little bit lower. I did look up and see you. Hey, there there was no there was no ill will intended by that look. Oh, I love it. I love it. Jeremiah Johnson, obviously from Valley Sports, joining us here. Pacers back in action tomorrow night as they return from the All-Star break. I do want to ask All-Star-related questions, but let's start here. Uh, Aaron Neesmith Limited, was that the Rick Carlisle update after their uh, return to practice yesterday? Yeah, uh, full disclosure, I didn't go down to practice last night, decided to uh, have another day off of the All-Star break, went to the Zionsville Cathedral game. But um, I listened to him on uh, the the wake-up call with KB and Andy and pretty much what he said on that show uh, matched what he said after practice yesterday. And the, the fact that Aaron Neesmith was there put up a few shots uh, I'm not sure how much he participated it, it was one of those practices that you often see after the all-star break where you want to get guys in get some guys to work up a little bit of a sweat for those that hadn't touched a basketball for a few days so we'll see what happens today um, but it does appear as though it's a lot better than you feared when he left the court in Toronto JJ I mean this is no slight to Pascal Siakam maybe even Miles Turner I think Aaron Neesmith is the second most indispensable player on this team. Like I, I think he gives you that type of presence on both ends of the floor. I know you were there in Toronto the night he got hurt. To me, you could just watch the first like 90 seconds of that second half right before he got hurt and saw everything that he does for this team. He hit a three on uh, the offensive end of the floor to start the second half. Boom, comes down the other end, helps side defense two different times. Forces a stop. I think he tried to take a charge, if I'm not mistaken, one of those times. And then he comes down. He drives the lane. tries to dunk it. And it should have been a foul. And that's when he got hurt. I, to me, he's that valuable. I know contractually there's other guys. Other guys score more. To me, he's the second most indispensable player on this team. Because of what he's done with his three-point shooting, you, you saw last year someone that would bring the energy, the intensity. He would crash the glass. He would accept defensive assignments. But to do that and then be one of the best three-point shooters in the NBA, I don't think that I would argue with, you know, and it depends on the game and the situation. But the other thing you'd have to consider is, is what's behind him. If Miles Turner misses a game, you do have Isaiah Jackson and Jalen Smith that in spot minutes can 
fill that role. They don't have a lot of 3 and D wings with experience on this team. And so you never know, you never uh, doubt what he'll bring you from an intensity level. And, and you mentioned everything that he does, and you can see it every single game. So I wouldn't argue with you. And, and that's why the health question, it's not just him, but he is a big part of that that final third of the season and where this team can go. He needs to be healthy. Jeremiah Johnson with us here, uh, talking some Pacers with him on the Payless Lakers Hotline. KB, this is for you. We haven't talked too much about this. If he doesn't play tonight or if Neesmith does miss a couple games, what do you think? What do we think Carlisle does there, starting rotation wise? Uh, I know there's a lot of injuries, but I mean there have been injuries. But now I kind of feel like it may be just him. We'll see what happens with Jalen. What do we think, J- uh, Jeremiah? What do you what do you think he does with that starting lineup if Neesmith Smith is out tomorrow night? It might depend on who you're playing and whether that team has a real talented wing scorer. Um, and and you look, you basically have in your second unit. Benedict Matherin, Ben Shepard, Doug McDermott, guys that can play the two or the three a little bit. And so my, my initial thought would be that Benedict Matherin would get that opportunity and you would give him that, that challenge of stepping up and guarding someone of that level. Or maybe it's Andrew Nemhard that guards the wing and, and you have Benedict Matherin in the backcourt. Uh, we'll see. Doug McDermott has barely even had a chance to practice, but he does have that experience, and that would be something that, depending on who you're playing, maybe you could throw him into the mix. But, again, that's why I said that Aaron Neesmith is so important. Yep. And the other option, and this is something that we might see over this next month or two, remember that Phoenix game when, when Jairus Walker played really well and Rick Carlisle mentioned that you saw that he could play some three and not just some four? Who knows? Maybe it's, a, it's an opportunity, maybe if not with the starting group, but you see Jairus Walker play some three because it does – you know, you've got Obi Toppin who really is a four – and he's giving you really good backup minutes. And if you have an issue with Pascal Siakam, you could play Obi Toppin there. But the three position is one that's a little bit of a question mark right now. So who knows? Jairus Walker could get into the mix as well. But Ben Shepard's play in Toronto might have bolted him off the list. Maybe I should move him higher in, in my answer here because he, he knocked down shots. He made a big stop. Maybe he gets that opportunity as well. It, there are some options. And there are a lot of things to consider when Rick Carlisle is making that decision. Yeah, big fourth quarter moments from Ben Shepard, certainly the last time the Pacers played a week ago tonight. Again, Jeremiah Johnson is with us here from Bally Sports. 7 o'clock tip, it'll be the Pacers and Pistons. Are we going to get a Benedict Mather and Jay Nivey camera watch tomorrow night? <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm fascinated. As if we didn't have enough already to talk about with everything that happened with All-Star Weekend. The first game out of the break, it's the Jaden Ivey Benedict Matherin rivalry, and I wasn't actually surprised. I, I was a little surprised you saw that intensity in that game because it's a, it's an All Star game, it's the Rising Stars game, and you saw Benedict Matherin smiling. But I didn't see too many smiles from Jaden Ivey, and those two players, every time they've played against each other, and it's probably been now you know four or five times in the NBA last season and this season. I think maybe one of them might have been hurt one or two of the times, but. It, there hasn't been a lot of love lost. And I remember one question uh, to Benning Mather either before they were get set to play each other just because they went through the pre-draft process together and they were drafted right next to each other. I think I asked him at one point if he had any, you know, developed a relationship with Jaden Ivey. He just kind of looked at me and said, nah, not really. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, you know, I don't know. I am interested to see Central Division. It's what I love about him, frankly. What's that? It's what I love about him. Like, it, yeah. it just, you'd rather have to rein that in than create it. 
Yeah. I mean, he's definitely not someone that's going to go and handshake and, and hug every member of the opposing team. If he knows someone, he'll go say hi to them after a game. But if not, he's going to get he's going to get off the court pretty quickly unless he's has some post game interview responsibility. So uh, I don't know if this is exactly what he said, but I thought he's like, no, we're not friends. <laughs> <laughs> and, and we saw that on on Friday night. Although he was smiling, and I did enjoy seeing some of Benedict Matherin's personality on Friday night. Uh, some of the smiles, it's him smiling, and sometimes the smile is menacing. Because I was going to say, it had like a yeah, Batman Joker yeah, feel to I, it I kind of feel like Matherin will tell Ivy or anybody, bleep off, but will be smiling <laughs> while he's doing so. Uh, Jeremiah Johnson with us from Bally's here on the Payless Liquors Hotline. Uh, uh, Wednesday, almost said a Thursday on the fan. Matherin himself, you know, was, you know, last week we, we had Carlisle on, and he was like, I'm worried about the health of uh, Benedict Matherin, had kind of what the knee, the leg injury, uh, the illness that was going through the team. They needed to get him healthy. And boy, Jeremiah, he looked healthy this past weekend. He is such a big deal for this team finishing this season strong and doing something in the postseason. If you ask me, what are you watching these final 26 games is now that he's healthy, what can Matherin do with Buddy Heald out of the way? To me, that's the number one question that I have. It is, a, it is a big question. It's something to watch, and I'll continue to say something that I've said over the last year and a half is that don't judge Benedict Matherin over one quarter or even one game. He still is going to have his ups and downs moving forward, but he's yet to really be fully healthy since the, the Buddy Heel trade, and that was something that people were watching. How would he um, embrace a bigger role, take a bigger responsibility, I don't know that it matters at all if he starts or comes off the bench. If he's healthy and playing well and he comes off the bench, he's likely to be on the court in the fourth quarter. Rick Carlisle goes with the players that will succeed in in those situations and uh, sounds a little cliche, goes with a hot hand. So Benedict Matherin will have his good moments. He'll have maybe an off game because he's a second-year player. But I am going to be watching that. And in that second unit right now, when you don't have Buddy healed, you really need him to provide some scoring punch because think about November, December, early January, when this team was having a lot of success consistently, every single night you looked down at the end of the game and the second unit was outscoring the opposition by 15 to 20 points. Now, I'm not saying that's required because I think your starting group is a little bit better right now just by simply having Pascal Siakam and having Aaron Neesmith play so well. But you do have to come in You have to see that group come into the game and at least keep things even. And if you can get an advantage when those guys are on the court, even better. And Benedict Matherin gives you the best chance to do that. So I'll be watching as well. Uh, Even though he was busy All-Star weekend, I think it was a little bit of a break for him. As you noted, he looked pretty healthy on Friday and Saturday night. But the biggest thing was I, I saw all those smiles. So to me, he'll be rested and ready. And, and he'll be definitely someone to watch over the next few weeks. Again, Jeremiah Johnson, coverage for the crew over there at Bally going to begin tomorrow night, 6.30. The Pacers back in action. They are a heavy favorite in this one here out of the break. All right, JJ, I am pitching. I don't know if I'm going to save the world here with this idea, but I'm going to pitch two ideas for the All-Star game, okay? Let's get back okay. to the Elam ending. I like that. I think it's a little bit more of a competitive fourth quarter. And I'm going to pitch NBA versus World. My world team is this. And those have asked about Joel Embiid. Joel Embiid is, uh, I, he could have opted to play for, I think it was Cameroon, France, or the U.S. And he said he'll play for the U.S. in the Olympics. So I'm taking Embiid off the world team. My starting lineup, Luka, 
The Joker, Giannis, Jamal Murray, Shea Gilgis Alexander, my bench unit. God, we're really big coming off the bench here. <laughs> Webb and Yama, Sabonis, Siakam, Lori Markinen, Carl Anthony Towns, Rudy Gobert, and OG Ananobi. A few guards that just missed it for me. Lou Dort. I need guards, really. Matherin, Franz Wagner. What do you think about my NBA versus world idea to try to revive Sunday night? As long as you talk to all those players and they will determine that winning that game and representing the world, not just their country, is is an important factor, um, I'm on board. I think it would be a good show. It's going to be tough to pick. I'm worried about that now that you said that out loud because I watched Luca and Joker the other <laughs> night and it looked like me out there. Exactly. Uh, yeah, I was a part of uh, Luca's post-game interview, and uh, he put about as much effort into that as he did during the game. He wanted to get out of Dodge as quickly as he could. Um, I really think they all have to come to some consensus, and I'm a little disappointed it didn't happen this year because you knew that they weren't happy with the show they put on in Utah, and I thought a guy like Giannis or maybe even LeBron would have gotten everybody together and said, let's do things just a little bit differently. And, and it was somewhat the same. One of the things you'll have to say, and this hasn't been said a whole lot, is, I mean, the shot making, the way those guys can knock down those shots, you've got to bring – you might think you were playing better defense. I watched early on, and I felt like there were some guys that were down in a stance really trying. And even though they tried, those shots were going in. So at some point, they just sort of – uh, moved on with uh, back to reverted back to all star basketball. So I think they went into the game with the right intentions, but then it just became too easy to just marvel at the offensive side and not not play defense. I, I'm you know I heard I think I heard Andy yesterday criticizing the Major League Baseball All Star Game and the home the home field advantage. I may be in the minority here. Oh boy, but that that added something to me because there is something I don't that disagree with that any team. And it's not that big of a deal. I mean, you can win a series, whether it's 2-3-2, it's two, two, whether you're the team that has the three or that has the two. But every player that's on a team is, is a team that, at least at the midway point of the season, thinks, I want to be in the NBA Finals. And if there's a chance that the home court advantage can help me, maybe it adds a little to it. I thought those baseball games, those baseball all-star games, when they did that, I thought it added just a little bit. I don't see why you wouldn't try something like that. And the other thing that is tough from an aesthetic standpoint, you saw the money matter in the in-season tournament. Those games were going to be still a big deal because they counted for the regular season. They were part of the schedule. Maybe you figure out some way where there's some financial incentive and you match a charity aspect of it to where um, it gets their attention. So I, I don't know. that Someone above my pay grade is going to have to have some of those discussions. But I don't want to see it go the way of, you know, the flag football of the Pro Bowl. Because I didn't – I don't even know that I've even cared one bit about that over the last few years. I thought All-Star Saturday night was really good, but you still need to have a basketball game to bring all these people into town and, and to make it a full event. So hopefully they can work on things. USA versus the world, I'm not against that as well. Again, as long as everybody's buying it and everybody's focused on playing a little bit – different style of game, then you could go that route. JJ, I'll add one more thing, and I brought up Luka and and Jokic and them not giving really any effort at all Sunday night. Um, I shared this story earlier. I was actually listening to Micah Shrewsbury yesterday because I'm a Notre Dame basketball nerd, and he shared a story about when he coached with Brad Stevens in 2017 in the All-Star game. It was Giannis's first All-Star game. 
and the West is beating the East, so Brad Stevens and Micah Shrewsbury and that staff are losing, and I say that in quotes, at, at, at halftime. And Giannis looks around the locker room, and Micah Shrewsbury said, all of a sudden he chimes in and goes, hey, is this where we start trying? <laughs> and it, it, it was kind of one of those moments where it's like, and now Giannis is in this boat, to be fair. But now, right. like, if your top guys set the tone, I think the guys underneath them will follow. It, it wasn't much, but I thought, like, when Paulo Boncaro and Scotty Barnes got in the game for their first run on Sunday night, they were even at a little bit of an upper tick just because, like, they weren't used to, okay, exactly where am I supposed to fall in the speed limit lane here? And I just think that's so important of, you know, when these guys get together in the summer and they go to the Drew League or they go to wherever and they play a pickup game and it has more intensity than Sunday night in the All-Star game, why? Well, it's because the top guys are setting the tone. And I think if the top guys, for whatever reason, if it's financial, financial, if it's USA versus world, whatever, if they start to set a higher tone, then I think that's really the only main way we see an uptick in it. That is definitely where it starts. And that's why I think Adam Silver was so disappointed is he's a, he's a player's commissioner. He's given in a lot over his time to making things better for the players. And I thought he... I mean, he. I think he felt like he had the leadership on his side where they all agreed it needed to be a little bit better, and then the product on the court didn't match what he thought would happen. You bring up a good point in the coaching staff. It, it starts with the, the top players, but who has a harder job than those coaches? Because they, don't, they know one way to coach. This isn't what they would want. However, you can't sit there and yell at a, a player before the game or spend a lot of time putting in offensive sets or – or coming up with some defensive adjustments if everyone's going to laugh at you. And you don't want to do that either because, who knows, you may want to try to coach one of these players at some point. So this is the one game where the coaches aren't really – they don't have that much power. They're kind of just sitting there. And I even asked Chris Finch after the game, I said, you've got like a four- or five-minute timeout, it seems, and you're standing there with your coaches. <laughs> what are you guys talking about while while the players are on the bench? And, and you know, he's like, oh, well, I'll try to – set up a play for somebody here or there, but there's not a whole lot you can you can do. So um, I feel for those guys as well, and it's, it's it, that's an interesting story from Micah and, and Brad. We'll see what happens. I know they'll try to make some adjustments, and I'll be interested to see what those are. Jeremiah Johnson with us here from Bally's on the Payless Liquors Hotline. Last one for me, uh, JJ. I mean, I don't know. What was your favorite thing uh, over the weekend? Festivities on Thursday and then obviously Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. What stood out to you being uh, behind the scenes and kind of attending so many of the different events? From an on-court perspective, that LED court, I had, when I first saw it, I was like, is this really going to work? And when I saw the the media unveil on, on Thursday and I walked on the court, I thought, you know, this could be pretty cool. And the way they executed that in the building – I was real impressed how they matched with the dunks and how they changed things up. Uh, someone asked one of the uh, people in charge if that's the future of basketball courts, and he said, hold on, hold on just a little bit, maybe long, long time down the road, but it is something they can use to capture the attention. And I thought it added to All-Star Saturday night. And I did want to say that uh, some of the feedback after Saturday night that you saw from people watching on television, to me, did not match what I felt in the building. I thought that was a really good show. Again, I mean, the three-point contest, four people tied at 26. The skills challenge went to a tiebreaker. The slam dunk contest, it's going to get criticized every year because it's not Michael Jordan and Dominique Wilkins. But some of those dunks, if you just 
you know, didn't know who was doing them, I, I would say they would compare somewhat favorably. So um, not not to Michael Jordan, but to some of the other ones that people are nostalgic about. So I thought the Saturday show was really good, especially for those in the building. Maybe TNT, the broadcast didn't match what it was in the building. So that's probably my highlight. The other highlight, and this is a shout-out to many of the people listening, the number of Pacers fans that I saw just – I made the walk from Gamebridge Fieldhouse to cross over to Lucas Oil Stadium probably 10 different times. And the amount of people that stopped and yelled, go Pacers, and were enthusiastic, and, and even just for me personally, you know, told me they appreciated our work. I, it made me feel good. And so shout out to all the Pacers fans that, that were able to make, you know, one day of it, a weekend of it, whatever you were able to experience. But the Pacers fans, I thought, really, really showed out and showed up, and I felt their enthusiasm. And I can tell – Every time they said something like Go Pacers, they told me how excited they are for the next few months, and so I think it's going to be a fun finish to this season. Four home games out of the gate. It starts tomorrow night. JJ and company will have your coverage. She is Jeremiah Johnson, Valley Sports, again, beginning at 6.30 tomorrow night. Pacers and Pistons and the sideshow of Matherin versus Ivy coming up tomorrow night inside of Gamebridge Fieldhouse. JJ, good running into you Sunday night. I promise no more dirty looks from the loft, uh, from the escalator down to the loft. Thanks for being a good sport. The wake-up call with KB and Andy <laughs> is thriving in February. How about the energy level right there? By the way, Zionsville or Cathedral last night? Ooh. Who won? Oh, the Cathedral won, yeah. Was it close? Um, first quarter, maybe a halftime. I think it was about an eight-point game, ended up about twenty. Is uh, Hilton's wow. does Hilton's kids start for Zionsville? Yep, yep, he starts. He's a, a good energy player. Um, but yeah, just uh, all Cathedral in that one. Well, I'll be watching the Zionsville product, Logan Imes tonight, Notre Dame and Louisville. If you want to come over, JJ, and watch that at the Bowen household, so you just let me know, okay? <laughs> Okay, sounds good. <laughs> Jeremiah Johnson, Payless Liquors Hotline. Really sounds like he's excited yeah. to come over tonight for that one. It's kind of funny when you look at T.Y. Hilton's son, his oldest son, Eugene, and you look at Marvin Harrison's son, boy, they are much different body types than their fathers. <laughs> Do Marvin Harrison. Someone did a thing where uh, if you had to make a trade in the first round and it came out to where Marvin Harrison Jr. got picked by the Giants, <laughs> I was like, man, I'd feel bad for that kid going to that offense, but that would be fantastic. <laughs> yeah, he's a beast, dude. But Harrison Jr. is like, a beast. F- physically, you know, physically. Oh, yeah. And, and obviously, you don't call Marvin Harrison senior, I guess, that. And when you look at T.Y. Hilton, no one acted like his height and his weight were so. I mean, honestly, it was a big reason why he fell. Uh, to the end of the third round, people were kind of skeptical about his frame holding up, and it so certainly held up quite well. And Eugene, much taller than that. I believe his recruitment is still pretty open based off some of the visits and offers he continues to. Where is he visited? Well, I do, remember. Do I need to get a look at a list. I of remember where he's the visited. final five, which I thought he like then went back on, was kind of a wild group. It was like Ole Miss, Wisconsin. I want to say Joel Erickson's Missouri team was in there. It, it was very random. Um, I FIU might have been on that, but then oh, I yeah. could have sworn I saw him either like readjust that or re- I, you know how recruiting. Oh, I know goes. how it is. Yeah, I think there might have been a a Michigan State in there somewhere. It's funny whenever whenever a kid goes to, especially a wide receiver. Now I know Wisconsin might be different under the new coaching staff, and I'm blanking on my guy's name from Luke Cincinnati, Fickle. Luke Fickle. Uh-huh. Uh, we'll have to see, but like Wisconsin and Ole Miss, 
Well, KB, those two things aren't the same. Like the, right. the way they play, that's not the same style of football between Ole Miss and Wisconsin. Well, look at the Ole Miss wideouts <laughs> that they have produced. You know, when you're talking AJ Brown and DK sure. Metcalf, I mean, certainly there is some appeal, and obviously the SEC appeal on that. And so, thank you to Jeremiah Johnson again. Coming up in about 15, we'll have Chris Gall from Visit Indy. Andy and I have talked about this throughout the show. I think you'd be hard pressed to find many events, and we're talking multi-day sporting events much bigger for a city than the NBA All-Star Game and the NFL Combine. And we happen to be hosting each of those in about a two-week span here. So great for the city of Indianapolis on many levels. We'll get more to the weeds of that with Chris Gall coming up in a few. Uh, Uh, Sorry, I'm smiling. I'm watching watching this uh, Danny Hurley video. Have you seen it? Is this when he tells the Creighton fan, I'm going to... So you've seen this? I have not seen it until now. What did he mouth to him? He, he told a Creighton student that he'll knock him out. <laughs> and he's got and Hurley's got three SIDs and four state troopers around him. He stops and tells the kid he'll knock him out. What a great week for the Big East. I love that. What a great week. Yeah, Patino, Hurley, and all the stuff earlier with Ed Cooley a couple weeks ago. The Big East is back. I love it. It's good. Come on, Thad. you got to do something next. you needs Dan yeah, Hurley. You need that on Dude, the sidelines. Hey, listen. Dan Hurley's a beast. They ain't going to get him. UConn's a great job. It's a great job. He can coach. Yes, he can. He's good. To lose what they did and still be at this level, uh, pretty darn impressive, even though they got run off the floor last night in Omaha. All right, pop quiz in a few. 317-239-1070 for that. Before it all, let's check it down. The Morning Checkdown, brought to you by the Barbasol Horizon League Basketball Championships. March starts here at the Indiana Farmers Coliseum, March 11th and 12th. All right, last night, not a good uh, result for the Butler Bulldogs. 72-62 losers at Villanova. Butler now squarely on the bubble. Lenardi this morning has him as the last team in 16-11 and 11 on the season. What might hurt them, 7-9 and nine now uh, in the Big East. So Butler up next for them will be a Saturday night trip to Seton Hall. That's going to be a big one huge, coming up at, uh, at 8.30. Both those teams squarely uh, on the bubble. Okay, tonight... In Bloomington, you know it's a big one. In Bloomington, Nebraska visiting Indiana. Boy, it's the biggest game on the schedule. Move everything else aside, Indiana and Nebraska. Mike Woodson, yesterday, six games left. They got to win them all. We got six games left, and I think we got to win them all. I mean, that's just maybe I'm putting pressure on our guys, but that's the only way I can coach. You know, we got to take it one game at a time and try to win them all. Uh, so we'll see what happens. Nebraska favored by a point and a half. Like I said, 8.30 Big Ten Network. Our coverage over on IBC beginning at 7.30. Yeah, 86-70, the first matchup between these two teams earlier this year. Tomanaga hit uh, many threes. I forget the exact number. I know he had 28 in the game. Indiana actually shot it great in that first matchup. 9 of 18 from behind the arc, but a big turnover number for Indiana. Again, Nebraska yet to win a Big Ten road game. They are are squarely on the bubble. I think just on the right side of it by most accounts, but boy, if you go winless on the road in conference, committee likes to nitpick, not ideal. All right, uh, we talked a lot. Again, Creighton over UConn, uh, 85-66 last night. Purdue will be back in action tomorrow night. They'll have a rematch with Rutgers. That was a big turnover number for Purdue. Earlier this season, they overcame that. Uh, Rutgers has played better basketball as of late. 
Um, so we'll see if Purdue can uh, get back uh, to business there inside of Mackey. That is a 7 o'clock tip. And we mentioned it a lot in the 8 o'clock hour, college football playoff. Official, that 12-team format will be five automatic bids going to the conference winners and then seven at-larges. Obviously, you would think the assumption there is a heavy SEC Big Ten contingent for those at-large teams. Uh, for what it's worth, we debated it a bit around 8.30, 8.45. Uh, Notre Dame will not fall into the top four teams that get a bye uh, based off them not being in a conference. The highest seed Notre Dame can be is the five seed, which means they'd get a home game, but they would have to win four one-and-done playoff games to win it all there. So uh, that is the impact for Notre Dame and where they fall into the college football playoff. And scheduling-wise, Andy, we're thinking this is going to begin like mid-December and oh, yeah. extend like Martin oh. Luther King weekend. No, it, like it, It's going to extend it's deep going, into it's January. Going, yeah, it's going late into January. I mean, that could be the thing is you might have the college, you know, me and my college football's biggest games up next to, uh, and I would imagine they don't overlap too much. You don't want to go against the NFL. So we're going to have backup right with the dudes in the semifinal <laughs> finals entering the transfer portal during <laughs> their team's run. That's probably a great question. Question. That's a very good question The college football is going to have to figure out. By the way, ESPN's Peter Burns, uh, if you go over the last decade of the college football playoff and they're using realignment, the SEC would average basically five teams in the top 16, the Big Ten as well. Last year, the SEC in the top 16 would have got seven seven teams in the Big Ten, five teams. So just looking at you know the kind of teams, the kind of numbers we're talking about that will be vying uh, for these twelve seeds. I mean, you're gonna have double digit between the SEC and Big Ten. You're gonna have probably 10, 11, te- uh, 12 teams vying to get into the college football playoff from those two conferences. It's gonna be fun. Getting Chris Gall from Visit Indy in about ten or fifteen. Pop quizzes next. Three one seven two three nine ten seventy. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Indiana's favorite oil change since 1985. All right, uh, pop quiz time. You guys ready to go on this? Uh, I just looked at it. Have you looked at it, KB? I, I think it's semi-doable. Okay. I see one. Which is probably an interesting way for me to describe it. I see a Kevin Ollie question in here. I like that. Give me okay. some Kevin Ollie. Let's go. It's a head coach right there. Kevin Ollie have a cup of coffee with the Pacers, or am I imagining things? 29 games? Uh-oh. I hope that's really? not the question. Well, that, that's an amazing memory from Scotty who yelled 29 games. I ah. hope he looked that up at some point recently. Okay, I was about to say, if you knew that, no offense, you are a sick individual. <laughs> if, if you knew... Hey, he's our Kevin, sick individual. And, and listen, if Kevin Ollie played 29 games and you knew that off the top of your head, that is sickness. You know what they said after the 29th game? Well, 
It was uh, it was fun while it lasted. Uh, thank you, Coach Carl. Did you guys Hell, to Rick see... might have been his coach. Well, he might have been. Did you happen to see? God, man, I should have cut this. Carl Anthony Towns was talking about someone did a mashup where they ask all the a lot of the oh players. Oh my gosh! And he said uh, Monte Ellis, about, right? About Indiana and about you know Indiana basketball, not IU basketball, but the Pacers and the state and everything else. And Carl uh, Anthony Towns, you know, he listed the the normal ones that you would list. Yeah, you know, but once he got past like Reggie Miller, he had nobody else. He was like, oh, you know. He even Monte Ellis. <laughs> Are the Pacers still paying I Monte, Monte Ellis? Ellis before he came to the Pacers? <laughs> oh my I really gosh. did. Mont- Unbelievable by Carl Anthony Towns. M- Monte Ellis is one of those guys that someone had to score 18 points a game on some of the sure. teams he was on. And sure. by God, he was going to be the guy that scored 18 points a game. All right, I need to make this somewhat quick for the pop quiz here. Again, Chris Gall from Visit Indy after this. Give us a number one through eight, Andy. Oh, let's go uh, number three, Mark. Who do we have? Jim. Hey, Jim. Yes. Jim, how you doing? This is Miller Lite, Jim. I drink over so I won't forget later. <laughs> so say, okay, Miller Lite, Jim here. All right. Yeah, uh, I called in last time when Jake was on the show and on his final days, and that's the last time I've been on. Well, Jim, great to hear your voice. Hope all is well. Uh, unfortunately, we've got to make this somewhat quick, uh, but thank you for calling, and uh, good luck. All right, Miller Lite, Jim, let's get a winner here on this Wednesday. Question number one, the NBA season resumes tomorrow night. There are currently two NBA teams that have yet to reach 10 wins this season. Now, the Pacers face the 8-46 Pistons tomorrow. Name the other team that has fewer than 10 wins this season. Is it the Spurs, the Hornets, the Trailblazers, or the Wizards? Uh, I'm going to say Portland. Jim, are you a blue Miller Lite can guy or a white Miller Lite can guy? Oh, white. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You yeah. a 16 ouncer? Mm-hmm. You're a 16 ouncer aluminum can guy, aren't you? Uh, 16 ouncer. Yeah. Yeah. That, You're damn right. He's drinking that fast enough. It ain't getting, you know, lukewarm at the end. All right. Top ranked UConn lost to Creighton last night, snapping the longest winning streak in D1 at 14 games. Name the team that currently has the longest active winning streak in men's college hoops, and their head coach has plenty of connections here to the state of Indiana. South Florida, Colgate, St. Mary's, or Merrimack? <laughs> he has been on this show with Jake and I back in the day. Really? Mm-hmm. I like that. Go with uh, Merrimack. All right, question number three. Despite their dominance this season, UConn does have an Achilles heel. They have lost 19 straight games against ranked opponents on the road. It's an unbelievable stat. Name the last ranked team the UConn Huskies beat on the road. Was it Butler, Memphis, Villanova, or Duke? Oh, Butler. All right, Miller Lite Jim, time to crack another one open here for the final two. Uh, 76 years ago today, this sports sanctioning body was officially incorporated. Name the league that was born on February 21st, 1948. Certainly talked about this here in the last couple days. Uh, The FIA, the Pro Bowlers Association, NASCAR, or the Association of Tennis Professionals? Number two. Oh, boy. We might need a a (laughs) shotgun one, Miller Lite Jim, for the last one here. A shot in a beer. Question number five. With Kevin Ollie being named the interim head coach of the Brooklyn Nets earlier this week, he becomes the second 
current NBA head coach who played a regular season game for the Pacers. This is why he knew it. 29 games. Who is the other? Is it Darvin Ham, Tyron Lue, Willie Green, or Chauncey Billups? Willie Green. Well, um, Jim, thank you for calling back in. Thank you for listening. That was horrific. That was an 0 for 5, folks. Uh, Wizards for number one. (laughs) St. Mary's has got a 14-game win streak. Wrong, 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 Memphis. Wrong, 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 That was Josh Pastner was the head coach. I was hoping we'd get the NASCAR one for four there, but no luck. Darvin Ham. To close things out. Darvin Ham played one game for the Pacers. Yeah, we can't sugarcoat. That was awful. Chris Gall, visit Indy to save us here to round things. All right, been a fun show. You miss uh, any of our conversation, bunch of Pacer conversation. Uh, Today, Jeremiah Johnson joined us. Some college football talk. Mike Woodson and IU basketball back in action tonight. We talked about a lot of those things. You miss anything, check out the Podcast Center, 1075thefan.com. All right, let's jump on out to the Payless Liquors Hotline. A couple minutes left here in today's Wednesday show. Executive Vice President and Chief Marketing Officer, Visit Indy, visitindy.com. Chris Gall joining us here on the program. Chris, good morning. Uh, I guess from your viewpoint, man, all around the city, how did the city look and what was your favorite part of a big all-star game weekend? And again, good morning. How are you? Well, good morning. Inside the Indiana Convention Center downtown, it's hard to believe. It's it's a bit of a blur because all the signage from the all-star game that had been up for weeks is now already down. So it feels like the party is over. But I, I think one of the, the the most iconic moments was seeing Oscar Robertson being lavishly praised inside uh, Gamebridge alongside Reggie Miller, Spike Lee there. Uh, just, just some of the old Pacers and Indiana ties that were uplifted center court there uh, during the actual NBA All-Star game. It was a who's who inside Gamebridge, and that was fun to see all the celebrities come out. But moreover, again, Oscar in the house. And, and, and to have Reggie be part of this All-Star um, was special as well. Okay, Chris Gall with us, Visit Indy, uh, Executive VP, Chief Marketing Officer. I did see him from afar in the convention center last week. He looked like a man <laughs> on a mission, very busy, of course, this time of year. It's funny you bring up the signage, Chris. One of the questions we got, shout out to Jay, one of our listeners, he goes, what happens with the signage? So I know that might be a weird place to start. Someone called in earlier and mentioned that the signage goes to, Mark, what was the company called? Pup, Pup, I P-U-P. Um, that gets turned into backpacks, which I think is, I guess, a kind of a cool thing. Uh, is that what happens with like all of your massive signage? And I'm sure some of it is not necessarily what, you know, is NBA stuff and, you know, Nike stuff, et cetera, et cetera. That's a great question. I'm glad you asked it. So People for Urban Progress, or Pup, has been our longstanding partner Sports Graphics puts up these beautiful signs, and then when they come down for major sporting events, People for Urban Progress takes the vinyl and they turn it into bags and wallets and purses and, and wearables. And you'd be surprised. It's, it's, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a uh, philanthropic tone, undertone here and underpinning, but also they turn around and sell them for, uh, you know, for, for iconic pieces of memorabilia. And so we know the Pacers and, their, and our local organizing committee has already pledged to buy these pieces. So very quickly, people for Urban Progress will take them and, and turn them into bags and wearables. And they're the, they're the same company that took the Hoosier Dome, the RCA Dome, that fabric from up top, and turn it into uh, uh, wearables and, and, and memorabilia. So you can still buy pieces of that through them as well. 
Again, Chris Gall here from Visit Indy with us on the Payless Liquors Hotline. Chris, economic impact-wise, how do you compare the All-Star game uh, to the Combine upcoming? I mentioned Andy earlier. It's got to be two of the biggest multi-day sporting events you can host in the U.S. Uh, How do those compare economic impact-wise? Yeah, we know the NBA pregame was citing $320 million in economic impact. That's tied to $125,000 visitors coming to Indianapolis for the long weekend. When we talk to our hotels and our tourism ecosystem, they're saying plus plus. Uh, We firmly believe by the time everything is reconciled and, and, and shakes loose, this will be a $320 plus million long weekend. Our hotels were commanding three or four times the normal average daily rate. And we had 1,800 media buzzing around talking favorably about our city. And so it's an economic win, and there's a media marketing exposure win. And then the, the third win that a lot of people don't talk about, it's the civic pride piece. It's the idea that Hoosiers came home, they, they, they walked around downtown, they went into the crossover, they came to Saturday night inside the stadium, and now they're, they're prideful. They're, they're full of pride for the, for the capital city. And that's the immeasurable piece that you just don't know about and, and how that helps us market and think favorably about our city as, as residents. When do you think you'll know that actual number on what it brought in? Any ideas that like a couple weeks, a month, when do you think you'll actually know? Temple University is the partner that's helping the Pacers and the city look at this number. And so in the coming months, we'll be eager to supply how many people arrived through IND, how many people drove in, how many ancillary events from Fortune 50 companies happened, how many visitors checked into Airbnbs and our hotels. And then Temple University takes that. And they, they, they reconcile that into the final report. And so probably the next uh, four to six months, we'll be able to see and re- really get a healthy look at the true number uh, of economic impact from this long weekend. But early reports show it's, it's plus plus. And, and, and I'm reminded, gentlemen, that no sooner did the NBA pull down its banners and, and take out, you know, we, we say goodbye to our visitors and thank you. The NFL is arriving. In fact, this weekend, trucks arrive to take over Lucas Oil Stadium and the Indiana Convention Center. We're quickly reconfiguring meeting space and, 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 and ballroom space because the combine is next week. And so what other city on planet Earth can have the NBA in one of its premier events, say goodbye, and then welcome the NFL? And oh, by the way, we know the NFL noticed the court at the airport. They noticed some of the signage. They noticed some of the ancillary events. And I don't mind them feeling a little uh, fear and loathing as we <laughs> sure. try to keep the, the, the combine here in Indianapolis. Well, we saw the announcement. Again, Chris Gall is with us here from Visit Indy, Executive VP and Chief Marketing Officer. Combine, at least through 2025, as it continues to have a stakehold here in Indy. Economic impact for that typically hovers around what, Chris? I know you just said, you know, hopefully 320. Uh, from a million standpoint for the NBA All-Star game. Where's the combine usually uh, fall? Uh, 10 to 11. So that seems like a drop in the bucket. Yet to have the the NFL brass here, all the coaches, the the owners, the the thousand credentialed media, that in itself is immeasurable when we think about can we get the draft here? Are we going to go after another Super Bowl? Can we keep the combine? So having the, the... the NBA brass here and the NFL brass here only helps us keep these kind of events coming back. It's funny you bring up the Super Bowl. Andy and I debated this last week, and it's a question I'll throw your way. You think it's a better chance, or I guess what comes back sooner, if you had to guess, a Super Bowl or an NBA All-Star game? We're going Super Bowl. I think there's a, there's a hunger within our community to bring that back. Finding clean dates and space and time and energy and 
And um, what that looks like is probably preceding another NBA All-Star game. Yet, we do not want to wait another 40 years. We feel we're deserving of these games more routinely coming through our city and not being such an anomaly. Chris Gall with us here on the Pay Less Liquors Hotline from Visit Indy, visitindy.com. What was like one thing that, I don't know, I don't want to say worry or nervous about, but you guys pulled off this weekend and it kind of made maybe a high five. Maybe there was a handshake, a high five, something you were nervous about that actually worked out perfectly for you guys this weekend. That's a great question. Uh, we had the tip-off that never been done before uh, by Centennial Unity Plaza with the commissioner on looking, Larry Burr, Tyrese coming with the, the Indy car, uh, a surprise performances. We saw residents show up there in a meaningful way. And when that event was done, the kickoff and tip-off uh, the NBA All-Star Weekend with, the, again, the commissioner and a lot of owners and Larry Bird and past players, that felt like the high five moment. Like, wow, this weekend is underway. It's underway in a new way, and and, and the community is behind us. That that was the the one moment with Tyrese in the IndyCar that I was like, let's go. Chris, any issues we ran into? I'm certainly Mother Nature out of our control. That flurry of snow on Sunday. I know we have Doug Bowles on the Monday after the race every year, and he, he kind of shares a couple of things yeah. that he he heard from fans. Anything that you heard that you know you would obviously like to uh, correct next time around? Two things. One is some of the lines inside the Indiana Convention Center to access the crossovers, the largest crossover footprint in the history of the NBA's event. And we probably needed a few more doors open. We did not expect it to sell out and have so many people on the Saturday, Friday and and Saturday in particular. And so some lessons learned on how we move people inside the convention center to get inside the crossover and those who wanted to go see the, the concerts. The second piece is we have such a compact downtown that ride sharing sometimes becomes difficult when you everyone exits a game or everyone exits the crossover at the same time and there's some streets that are closed. How do we create zones where you can go for ride share? Much like you see at the airport when you get off at a major city and you know that's where I need to go for ride share. Meet me at post 34 or A3. We need to probably do a better job when we have so many streets that are closed or are condensed and how do we move people through ride share? Chris, we'll end with this and can't thank you enough for your time as I know it is a busy month of February for you guys. If you could snap your fingers and bring any sporting event to Indianapolis, what would that be? I'm going F1, and here's why. I think we are deserving the sophistication of F1 and its audience, uh, the, the types of brands associated with F1, the historic nature of the Indianapolis Motor Speedway and what the Penske team and Doug Bowles and team have done. Uh, that is the type of event we're deserving to have come back. And that's my gut check is let's bring F1 back. No, it's expensive. No, it's not that easy yet. That's the type of event that really helps uh, position India as a forward-thinking, very sophisticated international destination. Interesting. Was it 06? Is that the last one? Scotty and I are trying to drum that up in studio here. Do you remember that year, Chris? 06, 07 was the last time. You're right. I think it's 06 or 07. It gets a little foggy, but yeah, it's, it's been a while. Chris, hell of a run. Thank you so much yeah. for everything. Again, Executive VP and Chief Marketing Officer Chris Gall with Visit. Andy, thank you, Chris. Uh, Thank you to uh, Chris Gall and Jeremiah Johnson. Everybody have a great Wednesday. We'll chat with you Thursday.